0: The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening
1: to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans.
2: The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do, and I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Love my fans. Just simply Michael
0: Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. And welcome to episode 25 of the MJ Cast. It's Saturday, the 27th of February. My name's Jamin Bull, and I'm here with my co host Q for a great episode full of lots of news and interesting discussion around Michael Jackson. So today we're going to be talking all about Miguel performing a Michael Jackson tribute at the Grammys, a rough cut of Captain EO leaking, more making of footage from the set of Black or White. New snippets of Michael Jackson's ghosts, an unfortunate piece of news with majestic magnificent passing away, some odd comments from Donald Trump, Janet Jackson performing her Unbreakable World Tour in Dubai, and a couple of new lawsuits that we're going to discuss. And of course, we're going to hear from a very, very interesting Michael Jackson fan who's going to tell us all about his experiences with Michael Jackson. G'day, Jamin. Welcome back to another episode of The MJ Cast. Always great fun to be here. Sure is. And I'm pretty sure we've got another guest on the show today, don't we? We do. We've got
1: a uh, guest host, I guess we could say. And that is the much-mentioned mate of mine, Paul Black, who has been my very first ever MJ mate from when I was uh, late teens, I would say. So, Paul Black, welcome, finally, to the show. Thank you very much,
0: guys. Pleasure to be here. It's been a long time coming, huh? It <laughs> <Yeah>. sure has. <laughs> welcome to Season 2. <laughs> Woohoo. It's so good. Q's spoken about you so, so many times to me, even way before since we started doing the MJ cast. I'm pretty sure in most conversations I've had with Q, Paul Black has got a mention somewhere, <laughs> so it's great <laughs> to finally be able to talk to you. Cool, and like I, was, <laughs>
3: like I was saying earlier, I feel like, Jamin, we're old friends because I listened to the show and I've been hearing you talk and all of a sudden, here we are in the middle of a show and I'm like, yeah, we know each other, right? And I'm like, you don't know me, I know you, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Fun. like we know each other.
1: Um, so, so yeah, I've been friends with Paul, what was that, probably since, uh, I'd say 2000, no, late 90s. So, yeah. yeah. So, what's that, like 16 years ago or so now? <laughs> yes.
0: What age now. did you guys meet? So, Ageless. I was... Yeah, Ageless. like, was it like in your teenage years or...? Uh, um, probably early 20s, I'd say. No,
1: I think it was like just the, like, 18, 19, I would say.
4: Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah because we were, I was old enough to go clubbing and stuff because we used to go clubbing together. Yeah. Um And, yeah, so... I think earlier in another show I spoke of the first time I sort of met Paul really was – well, met face-to-face was I was working at a supermarket and I noticed this guy in black loafers and white socks. Yes. And at the time, you had long hair as well. Guilty as charged. Yep. (laughs) And I was like,
3: hang on a minute, long hair – curls, (laughs) curls,
1: <laughs> blacks, black shoes and white socks. Yeah. He's
3: and I lived five minutes across the street, so you for did. some reason, that's what I decided to wear to go across to pick up some milk or something.
1: I have a <laughs> feeling you wore stuff like that quite often at that
3: point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> shame, shame. But Didn't all we it's all? all. <laughs> did, we, did we meet, because the first time you probably saw me at all was this uh, 40th birthday tribute show that I did, and yes. did we actually meet at that, or did you just see it?
1: No, so what? So that was Michael's 40th birthday. There was a fan club, a local fan club here in Perth, that organized a big birthday celebration and show um, at a sort of convention center kind of thing. And you were the main performer for that celebration. Yeah. So that was the first time I'd ever seen you, and you were doing awesome. What did you perform? You performed Stranger wow. in Moscow?
3: Well, it was like a history tour thing. Okay, so yeah. It was like a little a history tour of tribute. starting something, and dangerous MTV, you know, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it was awesome and blew me
1: away. And I was there with some friends and it was really good fun. So that was the first time I ever saw you. And then I actually saw you in 1997 <laughs> at the Perth premiere of the Ghosts short film. Oh, I film. forgot wow. about that. Yeah. So you were sitting in the row in front of me and sort of like two seats or one seat diagonal. Wow. So, at like, I was at your sort of shoulder area, and right. I was like, I think that's the guy that <laughs> was at that birthday party celebration the this other year. It's like
3: sliding doors or something. It's like, just missed. <laughs> Didn't quite. Yeah. Like, years later, you put it all two and two together. And it's yes. Like, You're that
1: dude. And then in 99, that's when we met officially at my work. And because Michael had announced he was going to do the Millennium Concerts uh, in Sydney, yes. and then in Hawaii... So he's going to do right. two shows in the one night and it never happened. Lawsuits yeah, that, that, was gonna <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be good. That was going to be good. And me and you were like, hey, we both like Michael, not that we know each other much, but let's go to Sydney and see it. So we organized yeah, a trip. trip to Sydney and we booked flights and everything and then it never happened. And we're like, well, now we've got flights to Sydney, so let's go to Sydney for the Millennium Celebrations. Have a party, yeah. And we did and it. it was an awesome
3: night. That's cool. Yeah,
1: so that's how we became friends.
3: There you go. And then,
1: yeah. Do you want to tell um, listeners a bit how you became a fan,
3: Paul? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I guess I've been a fan most of my life, I guess. I'd go right back to 1983, where I was about five years old, maybe, uh, give or take, and uh everyone was michael jackson crazy then so it was just like hard to ignore but as even as a 5 year old kid i remember i had all the bubble gum cards that used to collect all the kids were kind of trading the cards i remember the kid down the street had the making of thriller video and we went over his house and watched it and it was like it was cool it was the coolest thing i even remember on some dress up day at school i i wanted to go as michael jackson and i had some leather jacket or whatever and i was like yeah i'm going as michael jackson my dad was like no you're not i'm like why not like, i don't know why but but he didn't think that was a good idea, so he said, No, you're going as, as face from the A team, if anyone remembers that show. Sure. But I'm like, No, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm Michael Jackson, take it or leave it. Um, but it was pretty funny, but yeah, so it was like totally in with everybody who was obsessed uh, with the whole thriller phenomenon through the 80s, and then a general awareness as well through the 80s for me, just you know, still growing up. And you know, We Are the World came out, and the bad album and videos, and you'd see them, and it was hard to kind of ignore. But I'd say I wasn't really truly a huge fan until uh, about 1989, 90, where I sort of started hearing some Michael music around and some videos. And then remember being in the – we used to go to the video store, if anyone remembers those. uh, The local blockbuster just closed, actually. Yeah, they're all closing down. Wow, I was so Um, shocked
1: when I saw that last night.
3: So it's a bit of like, yeah, retro kind of a kind of a vibe. But yeah, I remember being in there with my family and I saw Moonwalker on the shelf. And I'm like, oh, let's get this. And my family's going, no, we can get that for, what is that? And no one wanted to get it. And I said, I'm getting it. Uh, and somehow I convinced them to get it. So we, we took it back and I watched it. And I just loved it. Um, Man in the Mirror, just that's what got me. I think that's the moment where I became a fan. Just seeing the impact he had on all of these people and the screaming fans and he was just singing and just the way he sort of looked and sounded and there was just a vibe created the way they've put together the opening of Moonwalker with that man in the mirror footage and everything to just sum up who he is and what he does for the world and how he feels about everything and how people respond to him. I just, I'm getting chills now just thinking about it but it was just that moment I was like, wow, who is this? I even remember thinking, because I knew Elvis Presley and I knew he was like the, the the king, you know, in most people's eyes. And I'd heard of him. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy's, this is like Elvis. But for me, just cool. Just like more cool, just awesome. This is amazing. And I just completely fell in love with the music and just the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, just watched that whole thing over and over and over. And I, st- I still remember my mum about 20 minutes in. Well, 30 minutes into Moonwalker, I was like, this is not a movie. What is this? This is just a bunch of videos. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, no, there's a movie. It's coming. It's coming. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit disjointed in the first
0: half, but it Yeah,
3: gets there. but I was just like, but this is awesome. So, yeah, completely Yeah, fell in love with it. Love Moonwalker to this day. And they had that screening um, a few months back for his birthday uh, here in Sydney at the Orpheum. So, we got to see it on the big screen. It was magic, you know, just the opening and the whole thing. So, um. Pretty much fell in love there. And then I just rented the making of Thriller and this thing called The Legend Continues, which some of you might know used to be in the video store as well. Such a good video. And then, yeah, just buying albums and cassettes and magazines and the whole thing, which led up to the release of Dangerous. So when Dangerous came out, that was the first album where I was actually already a desperate fan waiting to hear that album. And just, yeah, it was amazing. And, yeah, ended up becoming a huge fan, had a huge, massive – Michael Jackson collection, uh, a lot of which I don't have anymore, having kind of moved and lived overseas in LA. That's okay. Remember, you sold most of it to me. I was going to say, it has a good home. (laughs) Yeah. Most of it's hanging around Q, probably Mm -hmm. as we speak. Um, You've got a lot of that stuff. It has a good home, so I can go and visit it whenever I kind of feel. Um, Yeah. So, basically, that was the deal and became a a bit of a tribute artist as well and, um, kind of got into the dancing. I was always into the dancing and then I started taking it a bit more seriously. We put together a show and some dances and we did the whole thing and uh, we'll tell some more stories later but, you know, I eventually got to meet Michael and, and perform for him a little bit and dance uh, for him and, yeah, just enjoyed the, the um, tribute artist type vibe for a while and that led to eventually doing my own kind of music, singer-songwriter, did an album and kind of uh, took that path as well. And um, yeah, I was very fortunate to see Michael in concert on the history tour and meet him a few times and plenty of stories there that we'll probably cover later on. But uh, that's pretty much uh, how I got to this point. So
0: Exciting yeah. stuff. What an awesome journey to hear about. Makes me so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I, understand. I, I never got to see him live. You know, I'm one of those... See, I became a fan... You know, 2001, straight after he did the Madison Square Garden show. So, the, the closest yeah. I've ever got to seeing him live is on YouTube.
3: Yeah, well. Thank but God even, for YouTube. The, yeah. Even the fact that, that that comes across, you know, watching YouTube and watching videos. And it's actually really interesting, I'm finding, because it's like a whole new world now, obviously. I'm one of these fans that had and still has a couple of boxes oh, of like yes. VHS tapes. I've got like a 100 VHS tapes And when I say VHS tapes, it's not just, oh, there's something on this tape and that tape. It's like, you know, a three or four hour tape full of back to back little clips and things that I've collected. And I've got like a hundred of those. So it's like I've got YouTube in boxes under my bed (laughs) somewhere. But nowadays, you can click anything and you can find it. And it's actually fascinating to me the way, you know, Fans like yourself, who sort of came into it around that era, have the world at your feet in terms of Michael music and videos, and it's just all there. And you can type it in, and all these leaks—it's amazing. Just to, I used to bring like queue of people over. I'd say, "Hey, come over to my house, and I'll show you all these cool things." And I'll have yeah. to dig them out and put the tape in and play it, and it would take forever, you know, to try and set it all up. And now it's not even like I don't know if there's anything rare left in my box of videos gotcha. because you can type it in and then someone's probably uploaded it. So.
0: Well, I had a few That's years it. after 2001 where it wasn't like that because YouTube came out, I think, in the mid-2000s. So there was still a few years where I like I was trying to track down that 30th anniversary show on VHS. You yeah, couldn't right. buy it online. There was like one guy, I think it was MichaelJacksonTrader.com or something who'd put out DVDs of his shows. And yeah. um, there was a few years where you couldn't get 30th anniversary. So, I, had, I was searching high and low for that for a few years. Mm. But, yeah, like, <laughs> you're right. The YouTube generation, you know, people today that are growing up on Michael Jackson, they have access to everything. They don't know what it's like to hunt and yeah, totally. for, for stuff that's so rare.
1: And cheap, yeah. too. Like, even just buying the back catalogue, like, just the actual albums. Like, History, the double CD, I saw for JB Hi-Fi, like, 15 bucks, I'm yeah. like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I bought that thing twice and yeah. 50 bucks a pop. Oh,
3: yeah. And then you had to buy it again because they put sound effects and they don't care about us. Too.
1: Well, yeah, that was one of them because I actually, you know, back then, they, yeah, they reissued it with the sound effects. So I had the original and then the second one I bought worked out in good timing because I had to buy a copy of the album to get an invite to the Ghost's cinema screening as well. So that's how yeah, I got right. my second one. Cool. Yeah. But like Paul said, he's got a couple of stories he's going to share with us (laughs) later. So we might kick off into the news if you'd like, guys. Um, And then, yeah, our main discussion today is going to be a Paul Black, Michael Jackson stories, which hopefully you're going to get a kick out of because even I still get a kick out of hearing them.
3: (laughs) Yeah, just basically fan stories. You know, that's really what it is. I'm a fan and I've been listening to you guys on the show and Well done, by the way. I think you guys have done an amazing job building the show to where it now is. It's just been getting better and better and better. And and I've been listening to the show. And and one of my favorite things to hear is just people talking about their experiences with Michael, even if they're not, you know, sort of people who work with him or celebrities or whatever, just regular folk. I always love hearing what they have to say about, you know, their experience. If they're fortunate enough to to see Michael in some way or just how he kind of came into their lives. Um, So, yeah, hopefully we'll share some stories and... It'll be good.
1: Awesome. Jamin, anything you need to find out first or mention or are you going to kick off the news for us?
0: I think we can get straight into the news. Go for it. We've got a few few topics to cover this week uh, in the news and one of them is Miguel's uh, performance on the Grammys. So for those of you who listened to our first episode of Season 2, we kind of previewed and talked about what was coming at the Grammy Awards with Miguel uh, performing a tribute to Michael Jackson, and he's done that, and uh, most of our listeners, I'm sure, have seen it. Uh, She's Out of My Life was the song that was performed on the Grammys. Miguel was accompanied by Greg Philongaines on stage. He was a Michael Jackson collaborator who actually, I believe, did keys on the original version of that song on Off the Wall. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. I liked that he was there. Uh, but I don't know about how you guys felt, but I kind of felt like the performance was a little bit short. Paul, did you it get a was. chance to see the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. I actually, because the clip I watched kind of glitched a bit and mm-hmm. I was it repeated a bit. And I thought, did they cut something out of this YouTube version or whatever we were looking at? Or is it actually that short? But no, I went back and had a look. I'm like, no, I think it was just that short. Very brief. Um, but maybe that's a good thing because, you know, do we really want to listen to someone else Do a five-minute version, you know? I think it's like (laughs) leaving us wanting more and giving us a taste and making us want to hear the real thing or maybe go and listen to the record again. Maybe that's a good thing. I thought he did a good job though. Yeah. You know? What
1: do you guys think? I think he did a good job, but I was exactly the same. I was like, oh, okay, this is like a little excerpt from it. I'll go find the the whole thing. And I was like, okay, searching, searching. I was like, nope, okay, this actually is the whole thing. So that was... Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be so short. Like, in some ways, I'm glad it was so simple. It yeah. was just nice and, and that was just it. It was like him singing the song yeah, with a screen of Michael.
3: You guys were talking the other week in the last show about how, oh, please let it be tasteful and not yeah. have and someone it was. come it was. <laughs> And it. And I certain. thought it was, yeah. yeah it it's- was tasteful. It was just super short and that
1: made me go, well, yeah, it made it feel like just an off-the-wall like re release promo because yeah. it was just really to me yeah. like like a little ad a commercial.
4: Yeah, <laughs>
0: Miguel even said in his speech, he was like, I'm pretty sure he actually said the words, um, like there's a new documentary by Spike Leon off the wall really? or something like that. Yeah, but so- he performed very well. Like, I don't want to say that it was a bad no tribute, it was just
1: way shorter than expected, and it felt like a promo ad. But I thought he did a good job. He and certainly did.
0: He was yeah. on. He was. He was. You know, on point. I think the vocals were amazing. Um, he's a really great performer and a great singer. And I'm glad that Michael could have been honoured in a respectful way like that. Like I, we've seen other performances over the years that have been in tribute to Michael that I think we could agree maybe weren't the most respectful. Whereas this one I felt was really, really tasteful and fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the next news item, um, guess what? It's another leak. We've got a couple of leaks to talk about today. <laughs> but I thought this would be fun to talk to Paul about as well because Paul's had some experience in the film industry um, right. when he was over in, uh, living in Los Angeles. So the leak that we're speaking of in this case, ah, right. a rough cut of Captain EO has mm. leaked so, Jamin, I might pass it over to Paul, sure. because I know he, he'll he know the proper terms and <laughs> things that we may have not got accurate when we spoke about a previous leak. So, take right. away Paul. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, basically, I'm sort of a film editor by trade of sorts, you know, like that's what I studied, and that's what I did a master's degree in, and was working in a little bit uh, in LA, trying to work my way in and around. and Uh, that's what I still do, you know, freelance projects and working and also teaching and training people and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, I kind of know a bit about this. And it's interesting to me watching like uh, this kind of thing, because I've seen a lot of this kind of like rough cuts type thing. So I know what to look for. I know what it is. I'm so used to seeing it. Um, And that's pretty much what this is. It's basically a rough cut um, where most of the Picture. I didn't look at the whole thing in detail visually um, because, again, I've seen so many rough cuts. I'm like, I get the idea. I was actually mostly listening to it because, to me, that's what's interesting. Um, There's 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 a lot of uh, temp, what they call temp stuff in there. So you'll have temp uh, sounds and temp voiceovers. Obviously, the characters hadn't all been recorded, things like that. A lot of the music tracks were not complete either, so they were temp. And you're hearing different things to what you eventually heard uh, in the final film. So to me, that was most exciting part uh, you 're probably also like temp effects so there 's effects missing or they 're just temp in some way, um, but uh, for me, what I thought was really cool about it was was just hearing uh, the, the the different sounds and the different uh, things they had in there because they were yet to complete because uh, if people don 't know much about post production that 's something that happens after the picture edit is done. So they'll decide, okay, this is how we're going to edit it. They'll make all the changes and they'll keep working on it till they're happy with the way it's cut visually. And they go, right, that's the edit. And they call that a picture lock. It's done. And then what they'll do is they'll send that off to the post-production departments like the sound mix and the visual effects and final color grading and mastering and all sorts of other stuff, score, etc. So what you're seeing there is basically pretty close to when they were locking the picture and making the picture changes and decisions and uh, and hearing a lot of stuff that was temporary that obviously finally got uh, changed. But uh, what did you guys sort of think?
1: I loved hearing the temp music, actually. That little, yeah. that sort of beat... That was really cool. Like, I expected sort of maybe the character voices, which, yeah, they weren't done yet. Um, yeah. Mike, I guess Michael's voice was done. That was locked in and that was pretty much what we get to hear in the film. Mm. But, I, yeah, I really enjoyed the sound of it
3: and I laughed at, like, the little model of the ship and stuff like that, <laughs> the temporary effects. Yeah, yeah. These days they call it a previs where they actually have, like, a digital, you know, CG kind of half framework or at whatever stage the visual effect is at before it gets complete. But back then, you know, you would have like temp models or temp, you know, cards with sometimes just a thing that says scene missing or something that says, you know, a description of what the shot's supposed to be, blue screens, whatever, you know, it's all in there. So
0: Yeah, it was really a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Uh, It was cool to watch just in terms of learning about the work in progress behind it. The movie mm. that would eventually come out, like Q, I think the most amusing thing for me was seeing those model uh, ships flying around. I think it, at one point in the in the whole thing, there's even a scene where you can see a dude's hand in the shot holding yes. one of these ships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, geez, I'm glad they they finished that one off. But yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch. And
3: uh, but it gives you a taste of like what like it would have been like you know, 20, 30 years ago, when people are actually making films, what you get to look at and how you have to make decisions about how this film will finally be completed without seeing everything and without sort of knowing because you had to wait till it went off to all these other stages to find out what the final product would be. These days with digital, they're getting closer and closer to being able to represent the final product pretty much you know, before you make the final decisions of of locking the picture. And sometimes
1: in camera, like with like the Hobbit and
3: things like that. Yeah, and you can see this and it's basically trying to make it so that you can see what you're doing. The same way on a film set, you used to be able to shoot but you could never really see until you processed it in the lab and got the film back and then screened it in a daily screening. Uh, But now you can see it on set on a monitor. It's the same in post. They're getting to the point where you can uh, see everything and you get, Pretty close to a really good sound mix, and in, in in Avid or wherever you're cutting on. But it's just, yeah, it's kind of cool looking back and sort of going, wow, how did they even know for sure what it was going to look like? You know, even to the point of like if people know what like a, a dissolve or a fade between two shots is, you, you never could see that when you're cutting on those old sort of uh, movie olas or steambecks or whatever. You would basically just mark it with a grease pencil on the film with an X send it off to the lab and they would do it. And when you get it back, you'd see what that cross for Fatal Dissolve looks like. But it was a lot of guesswork and, you know, that's the way it's been done for many years. But it's kind of cool to see the way they used to do it and and, uh, how the final thing turned out, yeah.
1: Um, I thought, because I've actually read about some of the rough cuts of this film and I'm sort of glad that it wasn't the version, apparently there's a version where Disney have actually pitched Michael's voice a bit deeper.
4: Oh wow! And <laughs> when
1: he heard it, like he saw like an edit, and he was like, "Well, what's with the voice?" <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm glad it wasn't
0: that. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard uh, that before. Wow, i would never heard mm-hmm. that story. He would have sounded like he did on the soup in the, when he did the live vocal oh, in the, the Super, Super Bowl. <laughs> Bowl. Yeah,
3: that was pretty funny. Or the children of the world. Yeah, yeah. Or or if you if, if you listen to whatever happens or um yeah or 2000 and watts, you know. Anyway, cool. What's next?
0: All right, so Black or White, one of my favorite Michael Jackson films. Uh, There's been some footage come out of that one as well, some making of behind-the-scenes footage that we'd never seen before. There's already been quite a few leaks around that, but recently, thanks to MJ Beats, uh, we've had more footage leak out, and this is really cool to watch because like I'm sure you guys found, Michael's really in high spirits in this uh, little bit of footage, joking around with some of the dancers that were actually a part of the music video, some of yeah. those Thai dancers, um, and just getting along with John Landis. Uh, did you guys have a chance yeah. to see it, Q?
1: Yeah, loved it. Oh, Probably one of my favourite recent leaks, actually. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it was just really cool. I, uh, two things I really loved about it. One, which I think everyone is going to agree on, just seeing Michael in that video he just looks so handsome um so young like he really looks young he looks to me i really thought wow he looks like it's only not been long after the bad video sort of or the bad era anyway really close um just seeing him laughing and smiling and goofing off and so that was the one thing I really loved and yeah I could just watch that over and over. Um and the second thing I just actually really loved seeing the film part of it, like behind the scenes of the video where, you know, they were setting shots up and they would have the the double there.
0: Oh yeah. And yeah. stuff
1: like that and just like <laughs> the guy going, "How long is this shot going to take? You know, what's the yeah. hold up?" And stuff yep. like that, and just Michael's interaction with the the crew yes. and and his co stars like the Kevin backup dancer Kevin and the the Thai dancers and stuff. Mm. So that's the two things I loved about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, what's cool about it to me as well is that it it's it's uh, raw footage. So it's basically what you're seeing there is when they go and shoot the behind the scenes. They'll just film and they'll have cameras you know on tape, filming all this stuff. Then later, they'll decide if they want to use it and edit it into some kind of behind the scenes thing. But a lot of this stuff's been leaking out, where it's just the raw tapes, you know it's just the raw footage. And you get it as well, like when it's just media who went to an event that Michael was appearing at or some kind of thing. And I love seeing that kind of stuff because you just get to see a bit more of what it was really like to be there. Um, and particularly if you're not used to being on film sets. One of the greatest myths in the world is how exciting it is to be on the set of a film because it's actually really long and tedious. But you don't know that until you're actually there because everything you ever see that makes you want to go and experience that is all these awesome edited highlights behind the scenes and they put all the best stuff together and edit it together. And if it's a big film, they show you all the explosions and stunts and all this and you go, wow, that looks so cool. Um, but if you spend time on set, you realize, wow, you spend hours and hours waiting around and they might shoot two or three different shots, you know, that'll be in the film or the thing for like three seconds in one night and it takes a long time. So, it's kind of cool you say that because, yeah, just sort of seeing them waiting around and saying, all right, can we – and Michael's getting impatient. He's like, you're ruining my dance. I'm in the mood. I'm ready to go. Come on, let's go. Um, <laughs> It's quite funny, actually. There is um, one... Jamin, I know you're a fan of Stranger in Moscow. Yeah. Um, have you seen... Was like one of the things I've got in my VHS box of tapes, uh, there's like an, over an hour and 10 minutes or something of behind the scenes of uh, Stranger in Moscow video. I have, have you seen, seen that?
0: that. Is that the one where it's like a whole lot of blue screen and Michael's like drenched in like water? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. that's the footage. And there's a bit of it on YouTube, but there's like an hour or so of it. Just raw footage. Um, uh, it, it's just a long, long bit of footage, and and you can just basically you feel like you're just on the set, getting a sense of how long it takes and what they're doing and different setups and stuff like that, which is very cool. Uh, and this one reminded me of that, and I agree with Q. It was like he just looks so happy and just, you know, he looked awesome. And as I've said, I'm I'm a huge fan of of the bad era, sort of like that whole era right up until. Um, around this time, actually, because I sort of thought he looked amazing, and that's kind of my favorite look of his. And uh, he really does look like he's just kind of finished, you know, the, the bad tour, you know, in '89 or something. It, it, and I think it was sort of mid, probably mid uh, 1991, maybe early '91. I also get the sense that maybe this was an early part of the shoot, and that went on for a while, and maybe he came back and shot some more later because he actually looks very different. To me, like the end of the video when he's on on the Statue of Liberty and stuff, I think he just looks a bit different. Well, they actually scenes.
1: shot this video twice uh, from what I've heard. So, right. what we're seeing here, which I don't remember a scene in the video where there is actually all of those dancers around yeah, Michael. Okay. That so, that's like the sound soundstage, grey background, like the the plain background and just the dancers. Yeah. Um... I think I maybe from uh, dancer Kevin Stee, who who's, he speaks to in this video, mm. who's also in the Blood and the Dancehall video and a few other things, I think. Um, I think he's actually said, well, there was actually two videos because they w- did this one and then they realized, oh, we need to add something to it. And that's when they sort of expanded it and did a lot of the right. outside shoots like with the, the Indians. Yeah, right. So, yeah, be interesting to learn more about the making of that video actually. But he
3: looks amazing, right? Yeah, like, totally. totally. Just, he looks
0: really fresh yeah. and young and happy and excited and positive.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's just cool. Like, it's just good seeing uncut footage of him and being happy and hanging out and mucking around with John Landis and, yeah. you know.
0: John Landis <laughs> John- strikes me as the kind of director that was really good at making Michael Jackson feel comfortable and happy and yeah. in the movie. Because, like, the same thing is, like, evident on the thriller behind-the-scenes stuff from the thriller yeah, video. Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah. So, he's 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 just like that. Like I've been fortunate to meet him before um, in a couple of scenarios, but one time he did like a Q and A Q&A event with uh, actually with George Falsey Jr., who was the editor and on Thriller and producer of a lot of John Landis's films. And he's John Landis. He's just like that. Like he's just like a big kid, and he just goofs off, and he just brings a vibe into the room that is just so much fun he he just keeps going and going and he won't yeah. stop and he's just he's like on on energy 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 and i think that's why michael had related to him and had so much fun because i could see you know from just seeing john landis the way he would be and the way he'd interact and talk to you and stuff that that would be totally something that michael would sort of uh want to collaborate with that kind of person because it's not someone who's like serious and just kind of trying to be so professional in a, in a boring kind of way. It's like someone who's having fun and goofing off, which clearly, you know, is Michael's thing. So it was awesome.
0: Like in the thriller video, do you remember the bit where it's like behind the scenes stuff where John Landis like picks Michael Jackson up and turns (laughs) him upside down? Yeah. Like I can't imagine too many film directors would have (laughs) the balls to do that on set. Yeah. Francis Ford (laughs) Coppola wasn't
3: doing that to Michael. No, no, no. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, and I always remember from the end of making a Michael Jackson's thriller, like, you know, this is Michael Jackson. This is Michael Jackson's foot. Now watch. <laughs> and he's tickling him on the sock. <laughs> he's like, foot? Michael? And Michael's like, don't stop. <laughs> this is hilarious. And that's the end of the video. It's, it's awesome. They sound like they had so much fun. So that's a great leak. That's yeah. one of the better ones, like you say. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Uh, the I guess the next leaks we'll speak of are some more ghosts leak. Um, I'm actually trying to remember if I've seen all of these now. Um, so the one I, I definitely remember watching is a very short one, and the only difference really it was like a sort of like a little clip of parts of the dance
3: sequence,
1: and there's some new ad libs that we haven't heard before.
4: Yeah,
3: that seemed like it was just you know a, an audio sample that they just put some video over the top of. Yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily ever like that was the video. Cool ad-libs though. But yeah, sweet. Love that kind of stuff. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, I thought that was Was cool. that
0: a MJ Beats one as well, Jamin? Yeah, I think it was MJ Beats. Uh, they're leaking most of the stuff these days, but I agree with you guys. I think it was pretty much video we've mostly seen before or definitely have seen before, and then just new audio sort of over the top of different ad-libs that he would have recorded in the studio for um, too bad. Yeah. But... Um, it sounds great, and I really enjoyed watching it. It only goes for like seven seconds or something like that. It's quite short. <laughs> yeah. But it's... what's the
1: other ghost leak? Because I'm trying to remember if I've actually watched it. Well, this is the
0: longer one, and this is the one where he's in front of a um, green screen doing motion capture for the skeleton sequence. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I did watch that. It's really interesting watching him because you know this is the last. You know, this is probably the last music video, a short film that Michael was involved in uh, before the Invincible era. And as we know, the Invincible era videos were kind of a little bit more pared back and and that kind of thing. But this one was all guns blazing, technological, massive budget, motion capture Mm. craziness. So it's cool Mm. to see Michael on the cutting edge of technology experimenting with this kind of stuff.
3: It just makes me think, because yeah, a lot of this stuff's been coming out, but we've been waiting for a long time, obviously, for like a Blu-ray or something, or oh, a Ghost, yes. but it just makes you think, how amazing could they put out like a box set or something, there seems to be so much footage out there of behind the scenes, and the original 93 version, or whatever it was, uh, was that 90, 92, 93? Yeah. Uh, was it 91 even? Pretty, I think um, it was
0: 93, I'm pretty sure, 93,
3: Yeah? Yeah. But, but like, there's so much footage out there of the behind the scenes and there's at least two official making ofs. There's, like, a 10-minute one and then there's, like, a 30-minute one mm. um, that have been broadcast before. And, and there's two different versions of the film. There's the original cut, which Q and I saw and was at the premiere yeah. um, here, which we'll talk about more later. Um, and that was my favorite version of the film because it was just, like, he was – kind of rocking out to the, to the grooves based on too bad but it fit and there was sound effects and you know michael with owl and this and he, he blah blah blah, and it was awesome and then just for what i feel like is marketing purposes when they released the box set and the blood on the dance floor record they're like okay well we gotta put some of the songs in and they just dumped these songs over the top so they put whatever it was was is it scary and and ghosts and ghosts over the top and didn't doesn't fit at all to me i think ghosts
1: Um, was in the credits of the first film yeah
3: it was we'll talk about that later too um but yeah but uh it's uh so there's all these different versions of the film well two different versions but all these different various incarnations of behind the scenes footage they could do an Awesome, and I guess with Captain EO too as well. Yeah, like
1: what well, like, that leak that with the rough cut and behind the scenes making ofs, they could yeah. totally put together incredible, like you know, just jam packed sets that yeah. I think there wouldn't be many fans that would not be happy to pay for.
3: And Thriller, let's thriller. not forget. Thriller, yeah, Thriller, still, everything still could, you know. They they keep talking. I remember actually talking to George Falsy Jr., who is this uh, the editor and producer on Thriller. And this was mm, 2010, I think. Uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to release it in 3D. We're converting it. It's all going to happen in theatres and everything. And there's going to be a re-release. Um, still hasn't happened. But there was talk about that recently, wasn't there? That they to yeah. do some kind of thing. But we're still waiting.
0: Still waiting. I know they do a lot of experimentation behind the scenes. Like we kind of said on our Christmas special, um, you know, we've made no secret of knowing that, that the estate and uh, Sony music experimented with creating a 3d version of the history tour. And yeah. the, the person that I know who's seen footage from that says it's one of the most incredible things they've ever seen in their, in their life. So we know they experiment and, and, and commission people to work on these products, but they don't all come out. In fact, <laughs> I don't think any of the really high quality audiovisual ones have.
3: It's a shame. Because I mean, just to throw it out there, I know you guys talk about this a lot, but my favorite thing in the world is high definition footage of Michael Jackson doing what Michael Jackson does best, like all the other stuff that comes out, whatever. But that's really where my heart is, is just seeing him at his best doing what he does in the best quality possible. And my giant box of VHS tapes... I had a catalogue of everything detailed of what was on every tape and it would have a quality rating. And that was always the holy grail was to get it in better quality. Yes. Because back back in those days, the only way you could get footage was to connect with other fans around the world and say, all right, well, I've got this and this. This is my list. What have you got? And you'd compare and you'd copy tapes for each other and send them in the mail, (laughs) and you'd get a tape from, you know, Germany or somewhere, and you'd be like, oh, cool, and it's got all these bits of footage that they had. But every time someone does that, you lose a generation of quality to the point where some footage is black and white, flicking in and out of color if it's really rare and it's been copied a hundred times. I can't tell you how many versions (laughs) of Captain EO I had like that, you know, in the the 90s. It's like, here's Captain EO, and it's like all flickery and (laughs) almost lost color. And So to see it in high definition... All of these amazing things is just, that's my holy grail dream is to to see it all. And there's been so little that's actually come out it's in an exciting, high quality, let alone Blu-ray. It's an exciting
0: deck. time to be a Michael Jackson fan because that, that, that's on the horizon. Like you can pretty much count on one hand the amount of projects that have come out in HD. We've had Moonwalker, This Is It, uh, you know, <laughs> that's... You I'd, know. Say,
3: I'd say there's been Moonwalker because... I'm talking about stuff that, you know, is Michael of did. its era yeah. and, and we've never seen in high quality. Stuff that was shot recently doesn't really count to me. You yeah.
0: Know? I would like to see Thriller in high definition because we know that one exists in a widescreen yeah. 35 millimeter film version. Yeah. So, bring it yeah. on. Yeah,
3: and, and I'm not sure um, if we're talking about this later or not um, but, you know, just watching the, the off-the-wall documentary, I know you guys spoke about this last week or whenever that was, yeah. Um, just seeing that triumph tour footage, it's like, well, you have it. Let's let's see it. You yeah. know, the, it's, <laughs> you it's have there. It. Sell it's it there. to us. It has. It's it's exists. It exists, and I'd love to see that in high quality. And obviously, the victory tour and dare I say, bad tour, because that VHS DVD thing's just not quite cutting it for me. Take mm-hmm. my money. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. So much cool stuff that could be, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but that's what, that's, I guess there's something to look forward to. There's, Absolutely. There's positive yeah. spin Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> um, cool. Li- we might um, at the end of the news, just really quickly talk about the off the wall thing. Cause you saw it in a cinema recently, but we'll, we'll wrap up the news hopefully yeah. soon. We'll power on through. We have a little bit of sad news. Um, Jackson family friend, uh, majestic, magnificent was a magician, Um, and yeah, he worked with, uh, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jackson, um, and was a friend of the family for quite a while, passed away from cancer. So that was sad news and I think unexpected as well.
4: Yeah,
0: it was really sad to hear about. And, uh, because I know that, you know, he was very close to the Jackson family and he's in a lot of that footage that's come out of them, especially since Michael passed away. Uh, so so, it's always sad to hear about when someone passes away, um, you know, especially when it's somebody that's close to the to the Jackson family, because we know that they've already experienced such great loss um, already. So it is difficult to hear. Um, yeah, but he uh, he did. I, I don't know much more about him in terms of what he did for Michael, because he, in a lot of interviews, I've heard him say that he was Michael's personal magician. Paul, do you know anything about Majestic Magnificent and what his role was?
3: No, not really. Um, I I mean, I'm aware that he always had certain people that would come to Neverland and magicians and stuff that would entertain the kids. And, you know, I assume that he's one of those um, or the main guy, you know, and and would have come and, and every time he needed a magician to come to any of the times he'd have, you know, lots of people come for, you know, sick children etc and you know he'd have those times where you'd get a whole bunch of them all come in you know on a bus from somewhere I, I assume that he was part of that kind of thing I'm not sure how far back it goes but I guess uh, do, do you know anything cute like where, what their relationship was or where it um, started or
1: no I don't know if he had any connection with the Jacksons back at Havenhurst Encino yeah. Times, maybe like I think sings- he
0: might have because he's really he was really super close friends with Joe Jackson. I think he was more yeah. so a friend yeah, of the Jacksons yeah. than actually Michael personally. Even though he yeah, I think so. Performed for Michael. Yeah, I
3: probably right. Well, that makes sense because wasn't didn't they say it was a Catherine or someone was paying uh, for all his medical expenses and trying to look after him? And I, sure I don't okay. know. I haven't heard yeah. that. Yeah. So. That. I assume that would mean that it would have, yeah, must have gone back to the Jackson sort of days in Encino or something, because mm. I don't know if they would be as close with the family if it was just a Neverland thing. You know, yeah. 1990, well,
1: 1990 rest years. in peace, <laughs> majestic, magnificent.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Moving on to a little bit of uh, interesting news in the past couple of weeks, we've had Donald Trump talk about yeah. Michael Jackson. <laughs> controversy. God. Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he uh he's been on the news talking about Michael. I think he did an interview, I can't remember with who. It was on CNN. But uh, he was talking about um, knowing Michael Jackson and had a few interesting things to say. Things we've all heard before. If you've ever opened up a tabloid magazine, you would have heard it. Things about plastic surgery, blah, blah, blah. But Donald Trump decided to go on CNN and say that he was really close friends with Michael Jackson. But instead of keeping the interview positive and about his time hanging out with Michael, he decided to talk about Michael uh, apparently losing all of his confidence due to bad plastic surgery. And And his uh, talent, right? Yeah, and his talent. And I, I just personally felt, I don't know what you guys thought, but I felt that was really, really distasteful and not true. And also just why would you say that? Like, But I guess that's the thing with a lot of what Donald Trump says.
1: He's running a, you know, a very positive and uplifting political campaign at the moment. So I'm sure this fit right in.
3: Maybe maybe he's just—I don't know. Maybe he just sort of thinks, right? I have some awareness, or I've been told by my people what the public opinion is of Michael Jackson. So if I come out and say I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan and a friend of Michael, he doesn't want to lose all the people that think Michael's, you know, weird and whatever. So he's maybe he's just trying to come out and say, yeah, but obviously, yeah, I still think he's weird, like all you do. But uh," you know, maybe he's just trying to be very political about it and not sort of, you know corner himself into, 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 you know, losing votes, perhaps. Maybe that's what it is. But, yeah, it was a bit off. That's, uh, and that's was, politics.
0: It was off. And I think one of the Jackson family members actually noticed how off it was and even put some tweets out. I think Jermaine Jackson said a couple of things. that I think, Hugh, you, you know a little bit more than me about what Jermaine said. Oh, my
1: God. I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it was a series of at least three tweets where Jermaine, like, stood up for his brother um, I'm just loading he, it up he now. does. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was like, you know, why would Donald need to say this at all?
0: And then but he said something about Michael was, um, you know, I th- I've actually got it here. He says, Jermaine calls that a BS theory and tweeted, Michael's confidence was affected by the pressures, injustice and vitriol of external circumstances, period.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if he, I guess if he's really a close friend, as he says he is, you know, then maybe he would think carefully about what he says or what would be respectful. I've got to a his feeling
1: friend. Donald Trump is not thinking carefully about anything he's saying <laughs> and is not trying to be respectful about anything and yeah. just a little hot tip America what the hell <laughs> like is this a, is this a, are you guys doing a reality show that none of us know about because oh, is this a real thing that people are considering voting for someone like that to be president of the free world are you serious? Yeah. Like Q rant time, just don't. Cause yeah. you're gonna fuck it all up. <laughs> you're gonna blow <laughs> us all up with your stupid president, with his just awful opinions and nothing based on facts, and oh my yeah. god. So hot tip, America, don't. <laughs> just don't. Don't even uh, go there. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Oh, that was yeah, a good credibility, rant. huh? Oh <laughs> Lord.
4: Heavens above. Uh, move, move <laughs> Moving <that> on. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Janet Jackson, she on her uh, Unbreakable World Tour, uh, of course, that would include uh, Dubai. And she will be doing her Unbreakable World Tour concert as part of the Dubai World Cup, which is not the Football World Cup. It is a uh, prestigious horse race in Dubai. You
3: yeah, see, I couldn't figure that out. Are they saying that she's doing an appearance at this you know, sporting event or is it she's doing the whole tour concert? as part of it or or how does that work?
0: So she's turning up there and she's performing at the apron or apron views concert stage at 10 PM following the actual horse racing cup event thingy. And she's doing the whole unbreakable show there. Um, I don't sure. know. I don't know if you have to pay to go or whether you get to go for free if you already went to the horse race. Oh, no, I
1: think it's uh, if you're a ticket holder for the horse race. I think that is. Uh, I think could be <laughs> wrong. Just, check out show good. notes. Check the article. Yeah, check the great. show notes. Horse then. racing
0: with special guest <laughs> Janet
4: Jackson. <laughs> 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 pay for it's the horses great.
0: and get Janet. It's great.
3: <laughs> Yeah, that's that's hilarious. No. But no, lucky for them. Yeah. It kind of it reminds me of the whole Royal Brunei concert that Michael did in, in 96, where it was sort of like, he's going to go and do a concert, but it's sort of this one-off thing and it's sort of, is it going to be the full show or is it going to be that? I um, think
1: this is the whole thing. I think it was, a, is it a scheduled concert or is it an additional concert? But I think it is part of the current leg of the tour.
0: Well, it's, it's being called its own leg. If you read her okay. press release... It's um, described as a, a different leg of the tour, even though it's only one show. But it's, I, you know what I think it is really? You know how sometimes artists like do a few concerts um, in a location kind of like as a test before they go on their major leg of yeah, that right. tour? Like I think Michael used to do that in, um, I think his Japan shows were often considered like the start of a bigger leg. Yeah. And For the so, bad
3: tour, it was just Japan and Australia, like a yeah. you know, handful of shows and then, and then bam, changed the whole show. That's exactly yeah. right.
0: So I think like Janet's come back obviously from a, a period of illness, unfortunately, and it's so, it's so good that she's back in the saddle and doing her thing again. And so she's just about to start her massive European leg of the tour. And this is the only show that happens prior to that. So if I had to guess, I would say she's doing the Dubai thing as more of a let's get, get the band back, back together, feet. the dancers together, yeah. let's do a show before we actually go on the European League. if I had to guess and speculate.
3: But, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I, l- I love Janet. I'm a yeah, big Janet fan as well and saw her on the Velvet Rope Tour, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, that was my favourite show she ever did. Um, it was just so good. It was just after the history tour, so I think she'd sort of seen what Michael had done and was like, let me try and top it, give a bit of healthy competition, and, and, and it was just the best show i thought of her entire career it was phenomenal so i hope oh. she comes back to australia please, yes, please. janet
1: come to australia oh, i'll be there because by
3: the time she gets
1: here like seriously we'll have a kick-ass show because it'll be like the the fifth leg of the tour <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> absolutely yep. bring oh, it sweet. on i've always said like the the two artists that i gotta see before i die is i want to see janet jackson and i want to see prince And (laughs) Prince came and I'm living way out in the bush. So (laughs) I couldn't exactly go to that, but I know.
3: Could have jumped on a plane, dude. I
0: know. I know. I just, oh my God. I know.
3: I almost jumped on a plane to Perth to go and see an extra Prince show because he's so awesome. But you know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um,
0: Let's do these last two news items. Two to go. Cool. Okay, so the Michael Jackson estate is suing someone. Surprise! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically they found a website called kingofpop.com and they're suing them because it's not a Michael Jackson site. It's actually a popcorn site. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) So you can go there and actually buy popcorn, um, which is branded as King of Pop. And the Michael Jackson estate's upset about that. So they're suing them because I guess they're saying that that's taking away from you know, Michael Jackson's brand as the King of Pop. I don't know. you are not using it. <laughs> it used to be a fan <laughs> site. Like before a few years ago, it was actually a fan site. That shut down. The popcorn guys bought it. And now there you go. The estate's upset.
3: Well, understandably so, I guess. But uh, They weren't yeah. using it.
1: Like if they really wanted it, they could have bought the damn website and copyrighted King of Pop and all of that stuff and be using it in merchandise and products. But
3: they're not, so. <laughs> very true. Uh, it's pretty funny though. I mean, it is. It's, it's it's very clear that it's like, what do people think of when you say King of Pop? It's like it's gonna help their marketing, obviously. But uh. But it doesn't it's have your just image. It, or anything yeah, it's, on it's the not products, like they're even it? trying. They're just using it as a name. Yeah, and you gotta, I gotta understand go understand why the estate would be upset. But it's just kind of funny to me. You guys, have you guys I mean, read it... the TMZ article
0: about it or? I try yeah, I not to so. give TMZ as many clues. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've read it and it is some of the worst writing I've seen. It's got they actually use some of the worst jokes. They say um they use they even say this. Okay, MJ's estate has set its sights on kingofpop.com, a website that popped up in twenty twelve. <laughs> 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 That's oh, awesome. Oh my god. But they, basically hilarious. they go on to say they say the estate claims uh, the site tried to defend its use of the popular MJ moniker by saying the word pop is a nickname for uh, popcorn soda. products. The estate says that's <laughs> BS because pop is
3: only a nickname for soda. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: Mm.
3: Uh, it's good to see that they're really targeting and focusing their energy on the big issues here, yeah. you know? It's like, who can we sue that's really not doing justice to the, to the, to the legacy of Michael Jackson? This confectionery company yeah, that's yeah, trying yeah. to sell popcorn. That's really, yeah, that's a big deal. It's quite amusing, I find. But, like, uh...
0: Sil <laughs> Mortilla, when Sil came on the show, told us about some story about the Michael Jackson estate suing a tea towel company from Asia to put out, like, the Michael Jackson tea towels. Let's not sue yeah. Eddie Cascio or someone like that. Let's sue T Tail companies and popcorn companies. There
3: oh my go. God. Exactly. All
0: right. Oh, good times. All right. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. That yes. <laughs> so, uh, another lawsuit. This time the estate's getting sued. <laughs> um, okay. There's actually a Quincy Jones. By a popcorn company. By <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um no, this is Quincy Jones, legendary uh record producer who obviously worked on off the wall thriller and bad, has decided to uh sue the Michael Jackson Estate and Sony Music. This was a lawsuit that was filed back in twenty thirteen, all stemming from uh the I guess you could call it a documentary uh film, This Is It, uh which came out in I think oh geez, I'm trying to remember now. Was it it was two thousand and nine, wasn't it? It was it was pretty soon after Michael passed hope- away.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, about
0: October. Yeah, yeah, about October. So that film came out in 2009, obviously had a bunch of songs on it, Michael Jackson performing them in uh, a rehearsal setting, uh, songs from Thriller. It had Human Nature, Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, Wanna Be Starting Something, etc. And uh, basically, those songs were, as we know from seeing the film, edited quite heavily. It wasn't just the live audio from the rehearsals, there was a lot of other audio mixed in there. For example, like. Um, you know, like uh, like a lot vocals from tours that had happened that Michael performed in that were taken and spliced in as Michael's actual vocals and things like that. And anyway, Quincy Jones has really got his nose out of joint about this, and rightly so, I think, because he's suing the estate and saying that hey, um, the songs that I co wrote and I worked on, are, or sorry, I shouldn't say co wrote, but you know, produced, produced that um arranged. that are yeah arranged that are that are on that that album and were used in the movie. I've seen no monetary gain from at all. Uh, not only that, but the uh, as we know, the songs were heavily, heavily edited to be not what they were at all in rehearsals. And uh, part of Quincy Jones's original contract stated that if any serious edits were to happen on his songs that were eventually put out as a Michael Jackson product, he would need to have the first opportunity to actually edit those songs to protect his intellectual property. Um, which didn't happen. So he's suing them for over $10 million, and we've just heard that Judge Michael Stern has said that the uh, the case will go to trial mid-year. Wow. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on this?
3: Well, I mean, the tricky thing, you know, with this is is that, you know, Quincy Jones is a producer and arranger, and, and he worked on the songs, but because he didn't co-write anything, he's not getting any royalties. So anyone who co-wrote any of the songs, no matter how they used, is going to get royalties from that. Um, And if they used, I guess, the mechanical rights, if they used, you know, the actual recordings, um, depends who owns the rights to those. Someone's going to, you know, get royalties from that. But it's possible depending on, I I can't remember the arrangement, whether he has producer's points or anything like that, which is a, a, a contractual thing where you actually do get some kind of royalty yeah it's hard to sort of sort of say ex- exactly uh how it's all set up but i think it's pretty much a case of he not getting anything and i guess under his contract he had some kind of arrangement where he have you know first uh option to be able to say how those songs are rearranged and restructured so i can understand that you know he, he's, he's uh feeling a bit gypped by the whole process and um yeah it's kind of sad because uh, I think that's obviously had a lot to do with the fact that he hasn't it hasn't been resolved, so he hasn't been able to um get in there and uh, participate in a lot of these recent uh, projects like you know bad twenty five and the off the wall documentary yeah, um, Yeah, it's a shame, which you know i mean i've i've i think Quincy Jones is great you know i think he's a he's a he's a nice guy and um you know i Got to meet him a couple of times, and he was actually one of the nicest people i I'd met. you know um not everyone you meet in Hollywood is nice, but he was one of those guys that just seemed like a really genuinely friendly down to earth guy and happy to sort of say hello and all that and so yeah, I don't know, I don't know uh where where his head's at, but I guess it's rightly fair on his behalf to sort of say, well, hang on i'm not I should be getting something and and I'm not, you know
0: It's also the Cirque show. It's not just This Is It. I'm just reading it again now. Yeah. Q, I know you've seen, um, you've seen, you've heard the Immortal Tour. That's one of your favourite recent Michael Jackson or quote unquote Michael Jackson albums. And you've seen the one show in Vegas as well. Can you remember how heavily edited those Thriller tracks were in that? And do you think Quincy? Very, I think. Do you think think Quincy should, should, has a right to be upset about these songs that he co-produced being edited so much?
1: Well, if it's in his contract then yes if it's some if it's a condition then that's it on paper that's a condition and that's a contract and that's a binding thing so if that's the case then yes, but for, yeah, they're pretty edited and uh, arrangement mm. is very different things like that yeah
3: as as a as a fan the way they edited a lot of the tracks for immortal kind of upset me and I'm not the creator, but to me knowing how good those tracks were um to me they were just too heavily edited and I know like I like to think I know what Michael wants and what Michael likes when he makes his music because there's all these common recurring themes. He loves the groove. He loves to sit on that and sizzle on that and have that dance sort of break in the opening of a track like Another Part of Me. And then when the vocal comes in, he wants to kind of groove with this, you know, the heavy hitting snare drum. And, you know, they'd start a song like Another Part of Me and all of a sudden drop out all the drum, go straight into the vocal, and there's just no groove there. And, and then they chop all the best parts out. or Yeah, so I was a bit frustrated with the way they did that anyway. So I can imagine being Quincy Jones, having spent all of that time and energy to make this masterpiece with Michael, hearing that wouldn't surprise me if he's like, what have you done <laughs> to our tracks? You know, so I could yeah. kind of see it from that point of view. But
0: that's a good point. Because when you think about the other Cirque show that's taken off, uh, you know, to an astronomical level the Beatles love uh that uh that show I'm pretty sure the album was put together by George Martin the the Beatles producer so he was actively working on his own songs that he worked on with the Beatles Quincy wasn't given that opportunity for Cirque
3: which again is probably all to do with with the fact that this is going on with these unresolved lawsuits that he hasn't been involved in anything since the special editions of of Off the Wall and Thriller and And bad back in 2001 or whatever that was.
0: And
1: that's
3: the news. Cool.
1: There we go. So, I guess we can sort of segue into real quick discussion on the uh, -the off-the-wall release because it's now been officially released. It's in stores.
3: (laughs) Or is it? Sort of. (laughs) So, uh,
1: Paul, you gave me some little feedback about trying to find it in the stores.
3: Yeah. I mean, I figure like, I mean, Bad 25 when it came out, like when I went into JB Hi-Fi, our store here in Australia, still have some record stores, uh, you'd come in and it would be right at the front there and you had the choices of which version you wanted to get and all of that. Um, so, yeah, I I um I actually went to a screening the night before, which was this premiere VIP screening. Uh, so so they said, um, uh, and they actually handed out the the DVD copy, and I kind of I'm a bit of a Blu-ray fanatic, so I was planning on getting the Blu-ray. So I was like, well, that's nice, but I really really would rather have the Blu-ray, mostly for the archive footage to have it in the highest master possible. Um, So I thought, right, the next day when it comes out, I'll I'll pop into the store and I'll go in and uh, I'll pick it up. And uh, yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere for a start and uh, it wasn't anywhere I could see. And then eventually I'd find the, the small little... J section in CDs, which is not a very big section for CDs anymore. And uh, they had it there, but only the DVD version. They had about four copies. I was like, okay. Looked on the Blu ray section, couldn't find it anywhere. So I went to the counter and asked, you know, and they said, oh, you know, have you got the Blu ray version? They didn't seem to know what I was talking about or what it was. And they kept going, what's the album again? Off the wall. Okay. Typing it in the computer. Oh, my God. Uh, They said, oh, yeah, no, no, we don't have the Blu ray uh, version. I'm like, well, it was released today. So it should be, isn't it? Like you know, shouldn't it be? You have copies. And I said, uh, no. Oh, we had one. Yeah, we. I think we must have sold that earlier today. Uh, okay. What? A, uh, oh, but let me check other stores. And I'm like, yeah, this other store has three copies, um, but they're closed. So, uh, <laughs> so it was just this, like, <laughs> uh, okay, big big launch. You know, like I would assume that you know Sony or whoever would be like looking to market this and promote this in a way that would um, you know, at least make it available uh, to people or try and get people's attention. But you really had to look for it. And uh, the Blu-ray, I couldn't even get it. So, I mean, you can order it online, I guess. But I'm just a big fan of walking into a store when something gets released, as I've always done through the years with Michael. And there's a bit of a buzz about going into the store to get the new Michael, whatever it is. Um, not as much buzz these days because of the type of products, but at the same time, you know, take what I can get. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't seem like they were really, you know, it was a very soft release, I would say. Yeah,
0: definitely. Mm. And it's kind of uh, <laughs> disappointing.
3: <laughs> yeah, the... yeah. yeah, And even the, the, sorry, the screening the night before, there was hardly anyone there. It was very low-key. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, really. Like, Was I it thought... good
1: seeing the film on big screen, though?
3: Yeah, I mean... It was great to see the archive footage and mostly the Triumph Tour stuff because he was just on fire. And that's, that's, yeah, he was totally rising to his best. And maybe even that was his best. It's hard to sort of say. Uh, I always thought that the Bad Tour, like the early part of the Bad Tour, even though everyone loves the, the, the 88 sort of second leg, which I always did as well, that I'd never really seen it. Now that I've seen it, I actually prefer like the Japan show. Because it's just pure, 100% live, raw, amazing. It's less kind of trying to work in all the logistics and technology and, dare I say, lip-syncing and so on and so forth. But Triumph Tour, he was phenomenal. And then Victory Tour, he was yeah. also phenomenal. But I kind of think Triumph was more pure, more amazing, just talent, talent, talent with less gimmick. So I would love to see that whole show, as we said, in, in HD, um, but it was great seeing it on the big screen even the talking heads were better on a big screen because I know we didn't go to see talking heads, but if you guys are watching it on YouTube or on, on computer screen or whatever, it's like, yeah, whatever, but when you see it on a big screen, even the talking heads were kind of cool to see on a big screen. It felt more like you were in a, engaged in some kind of uh, presentation that was better than just watching it on, on a small screen. So I guess it was worth it in that regard.
1: So, like I think for... Me, definitely the the footage of Triumph Tour, early interview stuff with Michael, learning about, you know, things when he visited uh, Studio 54 and just seeing the really cool, good quality early footage. For me, the footage was the saving grace of that documentary. I would love to have learnt a hell of a lot more about the album um, and the especially from those directly involved with the yeah. creation of it. I did love Suzanne De Pass and Gamble and Huff. There were a few really good talking heads, but what overall, just in a nutshell, what did you think of the, the Spike Lee documentary?
3: Yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much covered most of this in the last show and I agree with a lot of the things that were being said. It, it essentially is interviewing a bunch of people who heard the album and thought it was great. You know, there wasn't really much in-depth behind the scenes of what it was really like being in the studio recording those songs. Things that you didn't know about, oh, did you know when we did this track, you know, we did whatever and we had to get you know whatever in the studio and we set it up in a certain way to get that sound. There was a lot more, you'll recall, in, in the Bad 25 where they were talking about Michael performing on a platform to get a vocal sound and, and how... you know And, and so later talking about the song Man in the Mirror and bringing it. There was a lot more of what it was like... To create that album, and in this one, it just felt like a lot of people talking about how they liked it and the songs they thought were good and and yes, I agree that what you guys said last time about you know they skipped some songs that didn't take the time to 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 talk about them, so it was a bit it was a bit shallow, but I was actually impressed by the amount of footage, and I've seen yeah. almost every piece of footage I think of Michael Jackson, and yet I hadn't seen a lot of that stuff like presented in that way before it was like wow there's a lot of stuff here for us to grasp onto but yeah a little shallow and i'm hoping for the thriller one if that all comes off that that's going to be a little more because we need to know more about like we need to know what happened in the studio And have you guys seen um there's actually a almost half hour documentary that was played i mean in this country on sbs many years ago uh in 1983 where they actually have a whole bunch of footage where they're in the studio with Michael recording Thriller, and he's got this—he's got the snake there—and they're on the set of the video. And there's all this rare footage with Quincy and Michael on making that album, uh, independent of what you'd see on the making of Thriller. Have you guys seen that? I, I have not. Don't think so? No. That no. mustn't be on YouTube. It, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's in my box of VHS tapes under the bed somewhere. But I don't know if um, I don't I don't recall there being any like recording footage of him actually singing or anything. But yeah. they were in the studio, they were talking about making the album. There's a lot of stuff on the set of Thriller that we've never seen. There was it was a British like interviewer. So I think it was like a British TV crew or something that documented that. Um, So I know that there was more footage uh, of that kind of stuff. I don't think with Off the Wall, the thing about Off the Wall is there's almost no footage from that era of him because he really wasn't, you know, Michael Jackson the way he became Michael Jackson. So there wasn't the need for everybody to try and, you know, capture all this stuff. He wasn't the hottest property at that time. So there's not much footage. And I think Michael also was kind of shying away from it as well, until he really found you know himself and the way he wanted to present himself. But there's like a bootleg DVD of Off the Wall that's collected just about everything you can get. And there's not a lot on there. There's there's a, some stuff from an American Music Awards, which is quite cool. There's stuff of him with Diana Ross performing a oh, show. Yeah, they used a little bit of that in the doco, but no sound from it. He did about four songs. Rock with you sang it with her. And he's and on down the road and stuff like that. That was cool. Um, and then Triumph Tour and the Suzuki commercial and, and the video clips, but there's really very little other footage. So I think mm. doesn't surprise me they didn't drag up much from that. But Thriller there's, there's a lot more, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So he's hoping that that's going to be a little bit more in depth on. Uh, like basically, you want to be in the studio with Michael Jackson to quote Brad. Um, that's what you want from a doco like that you want to know what it was like to do it you know so true
1: so. hopefully the extended version like uh, on the blu-ray like any special
0: features might
1: have it some, is there I, I don't know i haven't I've not well seen i wouldn't it. know i haven't so. seen it either but
3: yeah we will see what happens some of
0: our yeah. listeners have definitely picked up that product and are tweeting out images of it and unboxing i like videos. the packaging from what i've seen it looks I, cool like you know, I think the chalk, but the packaging. Well, too. I think the chalks backfired a little bit on him because I've got a tweet here from Maximilian Schroter, um, <laughs> one of our one of our <laughs> biggest listeners, and he's put a tweet out, a picture of um, he's taken a picture of the the brick wall in the packages and, and has written in chalk on it. Next time. Bonus tracks instead of chalk, please, Sony. (laughs) So I think it's backfired a little
3: bit, the whole chalk thing. Yeah. People can just upload what they really think. This is good because it says that on the back of the package. It says, you know, share, like draw some stuff or write some stuff and share it with us. Let us know what you think. So, yeah, good plan, guys. That's hilarious. (laughs) That
1: always works well.
3: Yeah, love it. Well,
1: that's the news for this week. So Thanks, everyone. That was a lot as usual. Um, Yeah, so now I'm going to settle in and uh, get comfy for some story time.
3: (laughs) Story time.
0: was uh, state of shock the electro funk radio edit by remixed by nick
1: awesome i love that song so cool it's a great mix
0: <laughs> so Everyone settled in, nice and comfy, nice and chair. I got my hot drink ready. I'm settled in. I'm ready for story time.
1: Oh my god, it is so hot outside. I've got the air conditioner really pumping, so I'm not having a hot drink. I'm just gonna settle back into this chair. You'll probably hear it creaking as I rock in it a little bit, but it's story time with Paul. Alright. Awesome. Yay, so Paul is um, got so many cool stories. Sometimes I think it's part of the black magic that Paul seems to have. He's always in the right place at the right time. Um, Cool things happen. So, yeah. Paul, where did you even want to
3: begin? Where can you begin? where do we begin? Well, like I said, you know, like I'm just a fan and like every fan, you try and get as many amazing experiences of, you know, through something you love. So if you're a Michael Jackson fan, you're going to try and get every experience you can, you know, when, you know, if you had the opportunity to go and see him perform or appear somewhere, you're just there and you're doing everything you can to try and get it. So yeah, I mean, like every fan, you know, I I, uh, wanted to get the most out of my experiences. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate to sort of uh, get to see him and, and, and have these experiences. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share some some fun stories about the times that I, uh, I got to sort of meet him or see him, uh, things like that. Um, so, so I, I guess, guess that would
1: the main ones for that sort of story would be around the history era?
3: Yeah, because like I said, being a fan that really became – you know, ready to to, to experience Michael Jackson with, with whatever he was bringing to us that was new was for Dangerous and he was going to come here for the Dangerous tour to Australia but that sort of got cancelled, never happened. So the first opportunity that I had to see him um, was the history tour because, you know, the bad tour, I was too young and my family probably wasn't really uh, likely to be travelling halfway across the country to, to go and see a Michael Jackson show. But uh, that's exactly what I did in 1996, you know. I, I was living at the top of Australia in the Northern Territory and had to travel to Sydney initially to, to see the show. So it was kind of uh, very exciting just the announcement that he was going to do these shows. And it was a scramble to like, how are we going to get tickets and how is that all going to work? And we were back in those days, you were on the phone trying to get tickets and you yes. were calling up and we couldn't get through. <laughs> I had to get my dad to come over with a credit card. And we were trying to get tickets and it kept being busy. And eventually, I'll never forget that moment of excitement when it's like it's ringing it's ringing because we were on the phone for maybe i don't know at least half an hour possibly an hour and taking shifts in redial 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 uh old school so eventually we got through and we managed to get what were considered gold tickets to the show which turned out to be quite far away essentially (laughs) what happened when we got to sydney is we met a lot of fans and we ended up finding better tickets from someone who was trying to sell tickets for like oh I'll, I'll, we'll buy these ones and then we sold out to someone who didn't have tickets at all and anyway so it all worked out but uh basically we just my friend and I we traveled to to Sydney we 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 saved all our lunch money because we, you know, we were you know quite young at the time and we we tried to like you know make as much money as we could to try and get on a plane like how are we going to do this and we didn't think it was possible but we said we got to go we got to do it so we just you know, tried to raise funds and tried to do everything we could just to afford the plane ticket. And okay, now that we got a concert ticket, can we afford a plane ticket? Now that we got a plane ticket, can we afford somewhere to stay? You know, it was like just trying to desperately figure it all out as we went. Uh, and then eventually we were in Sydney... And uh we just thought we're going to go to the concert, and that'll be it, but then we found out that oh he's going to be arriving, and all the fans are going to be there at the hotel or the airport so we were we went to the hotel, which was where um, near nearby to where we were staying, so we went down there and scoped it all out. It in Sydney so it was the Sheraton on the park. Uh, okay in, in, in Sydney there. And, uh, yeah. And every time I walk past that hotel now, I have very fond memories. Um, cause that was the first time I ever saw Michael Jackson in the flesh and I never really thought that would ever happen. And as a fan, when you just watch Michael's stuff and you're listening to it and you see all the videos, you just love it, love it, love it. And you just cannot believe that you'd ever get a chance to actually see him. So I remember that moment so clearly when all the fans were waiting, we were waiting, 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 and we heard that he was on his way from the airport, the car arrived and pulled up, and he stepped out of the car, and there was a whole thing there. They had dances for him, and Aboriginal dances, and they had, um, you know, children singing, and everyone just screaming, going nuts. Did they have so a balloon release? Uh, well, they had balloons, I think. I remember they had green and gold balloons, I'm pretty sure, because it's yeah. Welcome to Australia. Um, and, oh, it was just pandemonium. Like, I'd seen it in videos, you know. You'd seen all that, you know, even, like, the Kamina the Burana thing, you know, they put on the start of Dangerous short films, for example. You know, you just, like, you've seen all that. And all of a sudden, you're in it, and everyone's screaming, and it's Michael. And I couldn't quite see him at first. And then I saw him, I just remember that moment so clearly. It was like, I kept saying in my head, oh, my God, that's him. Like, that's Michael Jackson. Like, that's the guy who did Thriller. That's... The guy, that's Michael Jackson. Uh, And I looked, I had my Bad album cover there hoping to maybe get an autograph. And I looked down at it and I'm like, that's him. Bad's my favorite album. I'm like, that's the guy. And it's hard to explain. Like, you can't explain it. You just feel like everyone's just going crazy and so excited and the love. And it was just amazing and just to see him. And then he came over right to where we all were And started shaking hands and doing autographs and I shook his hand and I tried to get him to sign my thing and he took it and he signed it and he handed it back to me and I was just like, oh my God. You know, I looked right in his eyes and he has those amazing eyes. everyone That's all anyone said afterwards. is like, oh, did you see his eyes? Just the most amazing eyes, you know, we all know. But it was just incredible. It was phenomenal. Just the buzz of that was so just i can't even put it into words it was just like wow i never thought i'd get to see him and then all of a sudden i have this autograph and on my favorite album and 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 and, because eventually he he finished up he was out for quite a while but he went back inside into the hotel or into the hotel and everyone was just left going like wow like can you believe that can you believe that everyone was such on a high and you know young kids and old folks and just everyone was just you know the fans were all there but there was a lot of people who just What's the commotion? And eventually the crowd grew, just people who were in the city or whatever. <laughs> you didn't know what was going on. And it was just it was just amazing. It really, really was. So that was uh that was the first time I ever saw him. And I guess you could say met him, but it was more of a crowd meeting. A You're in some of the footage effort.
1: in um documentary stuff, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah. Really? <laughs> the, the, Which the one? News,
3: uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put like, time codes really, in the show yeah. notes so people we can really find you. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Some of it's so embarrassing. Because, you know, my friend and I, like, we, we were doing this tribute thing at the time. Like, we just kind of started doing these performance tribute shows and we had all the costumes and everything. So, you know, we had I had the costumes, you know, and, and, and we you know, trying to do the whole look and be like, yeah, we're like Michael Jackson fans. And a lot of dancing, you know, everyone kept saying, can you dance? Let's dance. And then I ended up all over the news dancing around like a twit and, you know, they, they would <laughs> interview you. And it's so embarrassing because they would interview you right after you'd just seen Michael Jackson <laughs> and you want to be when you like, all crazy yeah. and you, you want to be cool you want to be like I'm so cool but you're like oh my god we saw him and he touched our hands and we, and we saw him and it was so great and oh my god and there's people going he looked right in, look right into my eyes and all this it's just it's quite <laughs> funny when you look back and a lot of people look at that and they go oh my god these fans are nuts but when you're there, and if you're a fan, and you just you get caught up in it, and to be honest, I'm just so glad in my life that I actually got to experience what it's like to be caught up in a frenzy and feel that. Because, like, my wife's totally different. Like, she's like, I never really understood that fan mentality, and I'm like, well, I guess you know, different people uh, you know have different ways of sort of seeing seeing life. But if you are a fan of something, that when you get to see it in real life or experience it or, or meet them or see them perform you just can't describe it. But, you know, obviously everyone, anyone listening to this show will know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's just, you just, you just feel so excited. But, yeah, some people go, oh, I can't believe, you know, you, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. But, yeah, and I think some of that footage ended up little bits and pieces of docos <laughs> and things like that. But, uh, yeah, you pop up everywhere. But uh, And I had his film crew filming as well. Um, and we were actually sending messages because they used to send his personal film crew down to, to, to try and talk and interview all the fans waiting and they would film all that and sometimes they'd actually go to the extent of saying, look, we're going to send some messages up to Michael, if, if it was one of those days where he's in the hotel and the fans are waiting outside, you know, like the next day or whatever. So we did a bit of that as well and we'll get to my Perth stories later, but there was that as well, like he, he requested for us to actually perform or dance for him on video because we weren't sure if we were going to get to actually... Uh, there was a meeting that was they were trying to arrange, and you know it it it, it kind of happened. So we'll get to that story. But uh, but yeah, that was that was the very beginning for me. I was just happy with that. I was like, wow, I've seen Michael Jackson in person. It was amazing. I was young enough to appreciate it. I feel like if it happened, you know, in two thousand and seven or something, I don't know if because I was a bit older, if I would have appreciated it because I was so young and impressionable, and I hadn't really seen much of the world. It was just amazing. It was like. I cannot believe life can be like this kind of a moment. So we were on a high and, and then we went to the first concert and that was the first time ever seeing him perform in the history tour. And we ended up, as I said, with slightly better seats uh, than we originally booked. And it was just amazing. I mean, you know, Q, you've talked about your experience on the history tour and again, still very jealous and envious because you had like front row (laughs) and I never got front row. It's like So you're very, very lucky to uh, actually have seen him up close in certain moments doing what he does, you know. I I never got that close. I got fairly close in some of the shows. I went to three shows in total but never that close. But I, I did get close to him but not performing. So I'm very envious that you got to experience that. Um, I'm
1: envious of your uh, other closer experiences that we'll get to
3: Yeah, it was an amazing show I mean, I know everyone talks about how And I fully agree that, you know The history tour was great But it wasn't really Michael Jackson at his best Like as in, oh, it was, you know We talked earlier about the triumph tour Or victory or the bad tour And then, you know, dangerous Tour Started going in a different kind of style of show and, And less pure in a way The difference is when you're there,
1: it doesn't matter. Well, it didn't really
3: matter. Like, at least that was all I knew, and that was all I had the opportunity to see. So it was just, I'll take what I can get. It was amazing. And um, I do remember thinking that I'd seen all these clips of him in Prague with the gold space suit. That was all they'd show on the news. Michael Jackson's launched his tour in Prague and you go, wow. But what really I remember thinking was when he finished those songs and started doing I Want to Be Starting Something, I was like, okay, so he's wearing the gold pants. That's kind of cool. And then he started doing like The Way You Make Me Feel and Smooth Criminal with the gold (laughs) pants. And and I'd never seen that. That did not register to me as Michael Jackson. I was like, every time I've ever seen him do those songs, it's black pants. I was like that's a bit weird. Does that really, yeah, it took me a while to get used to it. Now I think it's cool, but back then it was, yeah. Lord
1: knows the girls love those gold pants. Oh, yeah. Oh.
3: The gold pants fan club. Yep, the um, gold pants brigade. <laughs> but, you know, and the, the, the gold pants when he's doing stuff like Stranger in Moscow and doing all the robotics and stuff, it's like, you know. Very cool. It's totally cool. So I was just blessed to see him do a show and, you know, do Billie Jean and, and just everything that you dreamed of seeing, you know, it's just like, was amazing and i only had tickets to the first sydney show it didn't really occur to me that i should see as many shows as possible because it's a rare opportunity i thought well i'm going to the concert it was actually probably the second concert i'd ever been to in my life wow, the, wow. The, like because the, i was pretty isolated where we lived and no one ever came or i was too young I think the first thing I ever saw was UB40 because a friend knew the keyboard player or something and got <laughs> us the backstage passes and, you know, so we went along, we were sort of at the front row on a barrier of general admission and I was like, wow, a concert. And they had a big hit at the time which was a Can't Help Falling in Love reggae version or something. So that was my first concert, but then the history tour came okay. along and it was like... It's a bit of a step up. Yeah, yeah. Hello, yeah. hello. I've got hello. a question for
0: you, Paul, about the uh, history shows. So yeah. you said you you saw three shows in total, right? Three Michael Jackson history tour shows? or Yes. Okay. So with, they were all in Australia? Yes. Okay. So we know that in Michael Jackson's tours, he pretty much did on each tour he did except the history tour he did billy jean in pretty much the same way on like from show to show on each of the tours even though there might have been variation between the tours yeah. but on the history show billy jean especially the dance sequence was totally different in like every show he did yep so as a fan watching three different history tour shows live we by the third one were you like watching out during billy jean thinking what's he going to do
3: yeah i mean that's I'm all about that. I'm all about trying to get variation, which is why I've become someone who does go to multiple shows. of an artist I really love just to see what else they do, you know, and we can talk about Prince later because I'm a huge Prince fan. And that's pretty much what he's known for is the variation. Every show is different. So if you really want to get the experience or different variety, you need to go to more than one show. Um, Michael Jackson's shows were a lot more structured um, and I, sometimes he got a lot of criticism for that. But there, was, there were certain parts, yes, that were the times where it would be different. And the end of Billie Jean, the live vocal and the dance section was definitely one um, the the uh, ad libs at the end of I'll Be There and the Motown medley, you know, would be different. I was kind of hanging out for the live stuff. Want to be starting something. The dances, the dancing he would do, would sort of he'd change it up a little bit. Stranger in Moscow developed over the tour and became like, what is he going to do with these crazy liquid metal dance moves now? What's interesting was that the the, the show, one of the shows I saw in Perth uh, was so different because he was in a different mood. Mm. Like he wasn't in this electrifying, on fire, tearing it up mood. He was in a much more low-key mood, which created a very different vibe, but an interesting one and different. So it was a bit of variety. And uh, I just remember like, instead of saying, I love you, at the end, he'd be like, I love you. Thank you very much. And it was just a lot more kind of low-key and it was almost like a more calm, intimate vibe that he created. And it was I'm really glad I got that experience because it was different. And yeah, hanging out for – I still just reminds me, being in Perth, one of my <laughs> main memories from one of the Perth shows was during Billy Jean. It was the third show, I think, and I think it was a lot of like corporate people who's like, all right, well, we, we didn't get tickets to the first show because we weren't fans, but I guess we'll go and see him. So, the crowd in the expensive seats, which is where I was, fortunately – was kind of not huge fans, um, and they were all sitting down, whereas in Sydney and some of the first Perth shows, everyone just stood up. No, actually,
1: the first Perth show, to my left, a big chunk of the seating block was corporate tickets. Yeah? In, yeah. yeah. And they did not, sort of, they weren't the big fans standing up dancing, yeah. like, you know, eventually when we were allowed to stand up but yeah, yeah. I noticed that it was a big yeah and it's section. kind
3: of a it's a weird vibe when you're not yeah, around yeah, like it, the shows where I was further back there was almost a better vibe of fans screaming almost reaching out to get closer or just to feel like the, he's so far away not that far but you know far enough to kind of long to, to, to be closer or just to sort of scream and people are cheering and that whereas when you're close to the front it's a lot more reserved if everyone around you is not that into it but I just clearly remember it's so like okay, well, we kept getting told to sit down. I didn't pay, you know, just you see the back of your head, all this kind of stuff, and like, all right. And then we just thought, when it got to Billy Jean, he's gonna do the moonwalk, the whole thing, the most iconic, famous part of that, you know, whole performance. And I'm like, no, nah, we're standing up. So we stood up and watched Michael Jackson moonwalk, spin around, go on his toes, and it was amazing. And as that moment happened, the guy behind us is like, sit down, we didn't pay whatever money to see the back of your head. And it's just <laughs> like, dude, relax, you know, enjoy yourself, stand up, have some fun. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame really, but um, we didn't care. We're like, you know what, I, I'm not going to remember in years to come that I was polite and I sat down so you could see. I'm going to remember standing to my feet, seeing Michael Jackson moonwalk across the stage do a few spins and land on his toes. So it's all good. Um, but yeah, great, great shows. And, and you know, I, I would love to have had a time machine to go back and see the bad tour. <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? What can you do? So to me, that was amazing. So totally amazing. But uh, let, let's jump back a little bit to, to Sydney because um, – yeah, he basically arrived, we saw him, went to the first show and thought, well, that's all that's going to be. That's great. We didn't have tickets to another show. He was doing two. Uh, then we found out, even though we'd seen these reports only on Entertainment Tonight about it was coming up to Halloween, Michael Jackson's got a new film, Ghosts, and there was these little 30-second you know, snippets. We're like, whoa, what's that about? wonder if we'll get to see that. And then we find out they're actually going to screen ghosts at a cinema, in the heart of Sydney while we were in Sydney and you got to remember it was a big deal for us to even be in Sydney because we were like, you know, country boys almost like, wow, big city uh, and now we've seen Michael Jackson and we've watched him perform and uh, here we are and I think, was that the show he got married afterwards? It was one of the shows he got married and we were yeah, at the hotel, did. I think it was the first show but we were at the hotel and he was upstairs getting married and the news <laughs> was there and it was like, this is awesome and Molly Meldrum was coming in and out and Richard Wilkins and it was like, Molly, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was crazy.
0: That was to um Debbie Rowe, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So it was like this whole thing, and and then they're like, yeah, they're going to screen ghosts, and I was like, we didn't even know if we'd ever get to see it. This was way before internet, so you wouldn't get to see a lot of things. You there was no way you could see Captain EO unless you went to Disneyland. There was no way to see any of these things, and uh, so we went and bought these tickets to uh, to see ghosts, and it was like, okay, cool, we're going to see ghosts. That was so exciting. And then later we found out by being at the hotel and we kind of sort of got to know the crew a little bit, like his entourage. They'd come, they'd see we were big fans and being that we were dressed in the outfits and we'd dance and they'd film us and all that. It was kind of, they said, hey, how would you like to, um, they took me and my friend aside, we're all in the gear and everything. And they said, how would you like to come to the, uh, the VIP premiere of, of Ghosts tonight? Uh, Michael Jackson going to be there, and we're like, Are "You kidding? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Who no, says I've no got to something that?" Something else on. I was thinking of going to watch um, this movie <laughs> with. The, no, uh, so yeah, it was like totally, absolutely amazing. And they said, "All right, well, let's take your names down." They wrote a little VIP uh, invite thing with our names on it, and they handed it to us and said, "Be here by this time." So this was one of my favorite Michael Jackson experiences. Um, it was just amazing. I felt like I was in the '80s or something when he was doing appearances, like you know, on the Walk of Fame or Madame Tussauds in London or something. It was like the way he was dressed when he you know, he came to this uh, event, and the way he looked, and just the the pandemonium. I really felt like I was getting to experience that. And I talked a bit about that before about seeing all this pandemonium on video and feeling like you witnessed it. It's like you see all that footage of the Beatles or, you know, Elvis or something where the fans are just going nuts and I felt like I was living part of history, you know? It was like this is this is really something that you'll remember for the rest of your life and that people will look back and go, wow, you were there. You got to experience it. What did he wear to the
1: Ghost premiere?
3: Um, so he had kind of – he had like a black jacket that was kind of, um, you know, like that military style reminiscent of the stuff he was wearing in 84. It was black but, you know, it had some gold trim and stuff and a red armband. And, you know, it, it's pretty much that jacket that, that I think you have now that uh, okay. was was the Sister one that I wore which we'll oh, talk about later. Okay, yep. Um, and, uh, and he had, uh, the hair looked phenomenal and he, ca- he arrived with sunglasses and he wasn't wearing a silk mask, which he was in a lot of other appearances. And he just looked amazing, but we didn't know what was going on, if he was going to be there or not. But basically what happened was they had all these fans crowding out the front, desperate to get a glimpse. And then when we arrived, they ushered us in up the red carpet. And took us inside to the theater. And all the fans were going, Oh, how come they get to go? (laughs) Like, you're like, Yep, that's us up the VIP. The downside to that was we didn't actually see him actually arrive, but I've seen it on video now on the news. But um, this was amazing. We were inside, we didn't know what was going on. And next minute, this whole little entourage appears and Michael Jackson enters the theater. So you're in a small ish kind of movie theater right? And to this point, you know, we'd seen him, but here here, here we are in a movie theater. It was like we're kind of locked into a space with him, which was so special just to be, it's different to being outside or in a concert in an open arena or something. And we were sitting with his entire entourage. So there was like four or five rows of all, like, you know, the dancers and Lavelle Smith and Travis and, and Michael Bush and, you know, Jennifer, whoever, all, these, all of the dancers and the crew on the tour were all in these five rows sort of behind us. So we were the first fan row, if you could call it that. And then we're like, okay, this is interesting. Is Michael going to come and say hello? Is he going to watch the movie? What's happening? And then he arrives and they bring him in and he sits down in the fifth row right behind us with all the <laughs> thing and we're just going oh whoa and he looked amazing and I'm like he's right there like and we all were on our feet we turned around to face the behind and there was a wall behind him so they wanted to protect him and they had security on the edge of the aisle so nobody could you know uh, get to him really and and so it was basically us sandwiched between we would stand up and look five rows behind and there he was sitting and then all the crew and the band and dancers all sitting, you know, like um, politely because they're not going to stand up. So we had this great view and it was really interesting. The thing I really remember most was that there was this awkward silence because most of the time where Michael's around, everyone's screaming and everyone's at a concert or an arrival or an event where everyone's just screaming and screaming and screaming. But in this case, it was this quiet soundproof movie uh, movie theater and it was like you could hear a pin drop and then almost like it was too like we didn't know what to do and then someone just sort of yelled out oh we love you michael and then he started talking back to us and saying you know like oh thank you very much you know whatever and all of a sudden we just started this group conversation with him because it was quiet and it was almost like oh should we talk and can we say stuff and he'd say stuff back to us and it was it was really kind of a unique special moment where it's like wow. he's, right, he's right there and we're kind of talking to him and he's just saying, you know, how do you like Australia? And he's like, oh, I love it and love the fans and, you know, the stuff he would say and it was just like, wow, we're having a conversation with Michael Jackson here. <laughs> uh, it was, oh, it was so cool. And the funny thing was we were there to watch Ghosts, right, which was one of the hardest things I remember as a fan in the sense that I desperately, desperately wanted to see this new creation of his, 40 minutes almost of something I'd never seen before that looks so amazing. I'm like, I get to see this and on a big screen with Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where the problem comes. Do I really want to give up 40 minutes of my life to not look at Michael Jackson, who's right behind me? Do I really want to say oh yeah he was behind me for 40 minutes uh, but I didn't really notice because I was watching the film it's like you're torn between he's right there and I want I just want to look at him and sort of you know get a chance to take it all in and see that he's in my presence yet you're gonna watch this movie which you desperately love and want to see so it was kind of funny during the film everyone kept sort of turning around and seeing how (laughs) he's reacting to it and like he'd be laughing and whatever and and the reaction, just having him there, the reaction was amazing. The, cr- the crowd was screaming, cheering. And when the dancing was happening, when he'd do jokes and when he just, you know, the girls, when he'd look sexy, they'd be all cheering. And when he'd say something cool like game time, Everyone's, <laughs> everyone just loved it. It was like phenomenal just watching this film and the vibe and the audience. And Michael Jackson's there and you keep turning around. It's like I wanted to look at, Michael Jackson watching Ghosts. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see him watching his own thing and just go, wow, and remember that. So I kept turning around every now and again. But the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge or the funny part was at the end, they do have the credits and they play the song Ghost, which we'd which never heard Which was a new before. song. Yeah, no yeah. one had ever heard that, really. The first time we'd heard it, it was
1: like, wow, what is this song? It actually took a minute for me to register, hang on a minute, this isn't just music in the credits, this is actually yeah. a brand new song. Totally.
3: Whoa. Yeah. And the, just remember the little hook in that song, who gave you the right, just sticking in my head after afterwards and we're like, wow, that song, I've got to hear that song, it's so cool. And the problem was we were, we were going, right, the film's finished, the credits are now rolling. We all did a 180 turnaround to stare at Michael and cheer and thank him <laughs> And Michael's going, no, 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 watch the screen. He kept pointing, saying, look, I've put all this behind the scenes of how I did it, the making of, and he kept trying to tell us to watch. Watch it. You wanted to watch him. Ma- it's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And he's like, no, 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 look, you're missing it, you're missing it. And everyone's like, uh, ah, ah, <laughs> just screaming. And, and that's where it went nuts. All of a sudden, as it was concluding, you may have heard about this before, it was all over the news, there was a massive security breach and everyone just stormed to try and get to him and they had to kind of rush him out of the theatre. So it was exciting, but at the same time, it was like, what's going on? And like Q says, I have developed, you know, this kind of skill of being able to try and be in the right place at the right time and just somehow get very lucky and all things kind of just sort of happen to me in a way that's you know, still amazes me, and you know everyone says, "Oh, Paul Black, we call it the black magic it's like <laughs> it's your it's your way of just making stuff happen or putting yourself in situations where good things happen um and I have been very blessed and and in this case occasion, uh, we were heading out of the theater, and I was sort of trying to get sort of to where he was and like see him as he was leaving and Everyone started crowding around and then it was getting a bit nuts. And what they ended up doing was uh, he was trying to get down this big long staircase and all the fans were on one side of the staircase where he was against the rail and there was no one on the other side of the staircase. It was a two-part massive staircase. And they sectioned it all off with security. They were trying their best to sort of surround Michael and close off the other side of the staircase. But somehow I was already on that side of the staircase. (laughs) So I was like the only one and there's pictures of this, there's video of this on the news and stuff, but I was the only one who was literally right next to Michael uh, and he was right there in front of me and on the staircase. Um, As I'm telling this, I'm remembering another part before it actually got to the staircase, probably the the most important bit. Uh, As he was coming out of the theatre, I just managed to all of a sudden find myself, bang, face-to-face with Michael Jackson. I don't know how it happened, but everyone was trying to get around and get to him and whatever. And he was making his way out. This was before it got really crazy. And then all of a sudden, you, you, all this time, you just have this weird thing in your head going, oh, I've got, to, I've got to find Michael. I've got to see Michael. I've got to get close to Michael. And you're reaching out to Michael and you just want to see him or try and shake his hand or something. And just boom, face to face with Michael Jackson. And I'm wow. like, whoa. And I didn't know what to do. Because in, you never get that close. You usually reaching out or trying to get close. You're being held back or there's, you know, they're taking him away somewhere or you're at a concert just, you know, sharing love and just reaching out. And all of a sudden, face to face. And it's like, what what do I do? And he sort of smiled at me and, you know, and I think he put his arm on my shoulder or something and I put my arm on his shoulder or something. And I just remember looking at him. I remember looking at him up close and I admit I had this thought of, wow, everyone always talks about what does Michael Jackson really look like up close. And there's all this stuff in the media and whatever. And I remember looking at him really close, like so close it's ridiculous. Like we, we, you know, we, were, we were about to hug close. And I just remember looking at him going, he looks amazing. Like his face, his skin, the whole thing, he just looked amazing like he looked really good and I was like wow I didn't as even as a fan I didn't expect him like he just looked incredible no mask amazing Um, and around then I think is when everything got a bit nuts and I was there for a minute or two and I think I remember him putting his arm on my shoulder as they tried to move him away and 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 I sort of thought all right I'm going to try and stick with him and then that's when everything went nuts and then we ended up on the staircase there And I was right there. And that's where they had to figure out, what do we do? How do we get him out of here? Because everyone's just pushing over any barricades, jumping over things, pushing past security. Everyone's going nuts. It's insane. I'm like, this looks like what you saw on the Walk of Fame or the Madame Tussauds or that footage of people being dragged behind cars in the street. And it was nuts. It was like, wow. And at that moment... It sort of settled down because they couldn't figure out what to do. Does he turn and go this way? Do we go out that way? Do we go under the stair barrier? What do we do? And I was just stuck there with him going, well, all right, here we are. (laughs) And I thought at the time I think I had a CD that I was trying to get signed, another one, because I I think I'd met Travis and Lavelle earlier and they signed, I had this jam 12-inch sort of mixes CD with a blue cover uh, CD and and I had them sign it because I got to chat with them a little bit in the in the lobby of the hotel or something and I was like cool I'll get Michael to sign the front it'll be cool and as I reached for that I accidentally pulled out um, my VIP pass that had my name on it It was like a kind of a tall cardboard sort of VIP card and he took it and I think he was going to uh, sign it and that's when everything went really nuts and they started to push and they go oh we got to get him out of here and it was quite amusing because all over the news is then footage of him with my VIP pass with my name on it, <laughs> holding it up to his face trying to like sort of duck a little bit and get out. So, I never got it back <laughs> but somewhere he, he, he ended up running off with my VIP pass and there's all this footage of him when they did eventually get him out, you know, all on the news. Uh, Michael Jackson, a security scare and he's holding up this white card, this pass that was mine and I'm like, I always imagined him getting into the van finally and then going, what is this I've got in my hand <laughs> and seeing my name. I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it was amazing, but just it was just like one of those moments where I felt like I was living part of history and um, getting so close to just feel his presence and be there and, 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 you know, as weird as it sounds, be somewhat like kind of like in an intimate situation where I was getting to feel what it's like to be him and what he was thinking and, you know, he's like, maybe we go this way, do we go under, you know, and, and I was like, wow, this is interesting seeing what his life is like. And I look back now and go, I hope I wasn't contributing to it. But at the time, you're just like a crazy fan and you just don't have time to think. Um, But it was just so amazing. And he was loving it. Like There was all these reports on the news like, oh, he was crying, he had tears in his eyes, he was scared. And I'm like, no, he was smiling and he was like, you know, I think he really liked the fact that he came to Australia and everyone loved him. And everyone was still, you know, so excited to see him you know, after everything they'd been through in the last few years leading up to the history album, it was like the love was there and I think he really loved the whole experience. So I didn't see any of that kind of uh, stuff that was reported. So,
4: Wow.
1: When um, During the Sydney event, like the whole history era in Sydney, when was the event down at the Opera House in relation to the Ghosts premiere or the
3: concert? Um, so the Sydney Opera House was the last thing he did before he left, uh, left Sydney. Okay. Um, so I think, uh, the ghost thing I believe would have been, I think it was between the two concerts because I remember after the ghost thing, we still had those original tickets to see the screening, which was at 10 PM or something. So after we did the whole Michael thing and I knew we had those tickets, so that's why I wasn't. I was okay not missing little bits of it because I'm like, we're going to get to see it again. So after that whole Michael thing and Michael left and it was like, whoa, crazy town, then we go, cool, we get to go back in the cinema and actually watch it again and properly and listen to that ghost song again and, and, you know, so we loved it. So I think the next concert would have been the day after and just quickly, I did not have tickets to the next concert but we thought, well, let's, we saw him leave from the hotel and we thought, let's just go and be outside Like you remember you telling me about how your dad just wandered in at the end of the history tour. We didn't get that lucky. We didn't get that lucky. But there was a lot (laughs) – shout out to dad. There was a whole lot of people just showing up just to hang out outside and just go, Michael Jackson's playing and, and just being outside. And my friend and I heard, my friend was one of the dancers um, that we had this tribute show, great dancer. And we used to do all our routines and we were learning all the new routines, like Dangerous, the MTV version, all this kind of stuff. And we were, in I, don't, were we in, I don't think we were in full costume even. We sort of had, you know, Michael-ish kind of clothes and shirts or whatever. But we were outside the concert and we ended up just kind of dancing while the concert was going. So the concert's on, Michael's inside and you can hear it. And we were like, hey, let's just kind of put on a little bit of a show here just for fun. And then we got this whole crowd gathered around. So, we ended up with this massive crowd outside the show. And then someone put uh, a hat down. And all of a sudden, people (laughs) were throwing money into it. And we ended up, we were like busking outside a Michael Jackson concert. (laughs) It was hilarious. Um, And as I said, we'd saved a lot of money and lunch money just to be there. And to be honest, we were staying in a cheap hotel and we bought groceries, like two-minute noodles and whatever. So, we we didn't have a lot of money to throw around. And it's like, great, we can go and eat tonight. This is awesome. And I think we made like a hundred bucks or something just from busking outside this concert. It was hilarious. That's crazy. It was fun. And then, yeah, the last thing he did, I think on that morning, he went to visit uh, Children's Hospital and maybe even the zoo can't remember. Maybe that was somewhere else, like Brisbane or somewhere else. I can't remember. No, he, I'm pretty sure he went to the zoo. Anyway, uh, someone out there will know. Um, but basically, he did this opera house appearance. And again, this is another great story that, that I thought was, yeah, so wonderful. He uh, People probably know the Sydney Opera House. Uh, iconic landmark. There's this whole area at the, the base of it, these steps and a big sort of open area. Uh, and they often do concerts and things there. So, they decided they were going to do a, what they call a civic reception, uh, which is basically Sony setting up a stage for him with all of these plaques and awards, and he's going to come and kind of say hi to the fans, and it was a free event, you know? You can go and see Michael Jackson in person for free, you know? Whoa. You just show up, <laughs> you have to wait around for a while, and the weather was starting to rain a bit and you were in a crush of people and it was a bit sort of you know hot and and a bit sweaty but it was free and you could just go and get a glimpse of Michael Jackson and uh they as Q said they had the history statue they floated it on the under the harbour bridge i think and they basically docked it down right next to the opera house there so before Michael arrived, we all went down and took all these pictures. And it's like, it's the history statue. (laughs) It's like, there it is on on a pontoon. And it's like quite massive. And you're watching this thing and you're just going. And it looks a little bit like Michael. (laughs) Yeah. It's the history statue. Uh, And it was just so cool to see. It's like, this is awesome. And it was like this whole time we expected to come and go to a Michael Jackson concert. That's it. And every day, something else would happen. Oh, by the way, you're going to go and see ghosts. And oh, by the way, he's going to be there. And oh, you might get an autograph or you might get to meet him or all of these things. Oh, and he's going to go and do another appearance and you get to do all this stuff. And uh, it was a lot of waiting, waiting, waiting around. But we were right up the front pretty much, you know, five people deep maybe and everyone was starting to get a bit hot. People were fainting. They had all this medical attention. It was like the exact thing you saw at the start of Carmina Burana um, with the with the brace yourself teaser because in Australia, as Q's mentioned on the show before, it was all seated, the concerts. So we didn't get the general admission thing that you get in Europe and other places. So
5: You're
3: this was it. This the was the only time I experienced that. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what this was. It was like, masses of standing room only crowded people in a crush all sort of swaying together and Michael Music and you know some people getting too hot and fainting and being passed over and hopefully getting back and everyone was really nice about letting people back in once they'd had their medical attention which I thought was cool um and yeah basically Michael eventually arrived they had they had a an Australian band uh that you may remember Jamin I think you've mentioned before Human Nature oh, uh Nature yeah They supported him on the history tour, so uh, they did all the support acts. So they came out and performed and then eventually Michael arrived and it was amazing. You've probably seen photos of this. He was wearing this red shirt with this kind of black, uh, almost kind of webbed kind of design at the sides and um, kind of like Batman almost. I'm going. And, I'm
0: going through these images on uh, Google yeah. Images right now as you're talking.
3: So technology, I <laughs> yeah. like it. Uh, and he's wearing a hat, and I think he has sunglasses, and uh, he looked awesome. And it was another appearance where you know he wasn't wearing a silk mask. He was there, and it was just so cool. He came out. Everyone was screaming. They he looked at all the awards. They tried to uh, do an intro speech, but everyone was cheering so loud and wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> And then they said, Michael, do you want to say something? And he came to the microphone and spoke. Uh, It was a very short speech, but I thought, wow, this is such a great experience because it reminds me of what it would be like to see him at an award show or something. You know, you've always seen on videos, he comes to a microphone, accepts an award. And I'm like, cool, this is so cool. And uh, he gave a speech and said, you know, I'm happy to be here and sorry to be leaving. And, um, you know, and he said, bunch of stuff that that was cool at the time. I can't remember every single word, but it was just so cool to hear him talk, and he was there, and everyone was screaming, and it was amazing. It was just so good. Um, And it was all over the news, and I think I found myself in various pictures in the crowd. Oh, there's me. there's my hand in Who magazine or something. Um, Amazing experience, and totally free, and anyone could have gone there, and the crowd just expanded all the way back through the opera house, and it was just... Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I'm so
1: jealous you got to go to that. I remember seeing it on the news and I used those pictures for years afterwards in yeah. tabloids for things. Um, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh,
0: There's man. some great photos. I'm looking at some now and, like, Michael is standing in such a way that if you zoom in on his face in the, um, his reflective aviators, you can see this in the Sydney Opera House.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Really yeah, cool. Totally. I'm actually, see, I'm a bit old school, Jamin. I've actually got a photo album in front of me here of photos, <laughs> photos that I took at these events. I'm seeing some now inside the Ghost premiere where he's sitting five rows. And yeah, these ones from from that time at the Opera House. I had this big giant sculpted glass or ice statue. Oh, the big gifts like that they ed- gave to e- him. Egyptian kind of angel or something. Molly must have designed it. Yeah. And, and, and. Ah, oh, so yeah, I've got. That's the other thing. I've got all these great photos, like old school photos, where you take it with a camera and get it developed, and then, yeah, hopefully get the photos it turned back. out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was it was a amazing, amazing experience. And then he basically left, and then he was supposed to get on a plane to Brisbane, where I think you were waiting for him. <laughs> oh sort you? of. I wasn't um, at
1: the hotel for the arrival, but yeah, we. Were- because Not I think
3: what happened is everyone after. was waiting, but then due to bad weather, he never, never left. So okay. he had to go the next day or something. Yeah, so I a lot of fans so. were waiting and, and missed out and nothing happened. And then it was the next day. Um, so right. you saw him, didn't you see him leave or arrive one time at the hotel?
1: Yeah. So the actual night of the concert in Brisbane. Right. yeah. Uh, we were there and we saw Molly Meldrum leave, which was really cool. Um, cool. We'd seen Michael up on the very top balcony of the hotel earlier down as he was like waving down to us and things like that so yeah that was my very first time seeing him in the flesh and then when he left for the show him waving out the um the front
3: of the car yeah that was and that was brisbane and then you were front front row in perth right
1: yeah i think i was back row for brisbane front row for perth right
0: if you want to hear if 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 people want to hear the Um, some stories behind his arrival in Brisbane at the hotel in Brisbane, listen to the Darren Hayes show we put out because Darren Hayes was at that hotel when Michael arrived.
3: Yep, shout out to Darren Hayes. Hope you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, me and Darren Hayes on a show talking about the Bad Album because I know he (laughs) loves the Bad Album as much as I do. I'm a Bad Album fanatic. That's my era and I've heard him say the same thing.
0: he's, He's made us promise that if we ever do a Bad Album special, he has to be on it, so... Yeah. Maybe you could guest host on that one.
3: I would love to talk about it. That's my, that's my, I love the Bad album. And it's so amazing. I think every time I hear him talk about it, I'm like, yep, I'm right there with you. And I, yeah, would love to, to, to share that because, oh, it's so good. But yeah, so I like, kind of like in your situation, Q, I basically had my experience and you had your Brisbane experience. I had the Sydney one and then got on a plane back to, to back home. Uh, and I thought that was it. And But I went back and told one of my other friends, a good friend of mine who was also one of the dancers in this tribute thing that we had going. I said, oh, it was amazing. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I missed it. But my dad was said he went and saw the show in Singapore or something. And they're saying maybe I should try and go to the shows in Perth where he had family. And I'm like, yeah, do it. And then I started thinking, uh, you're going to Perth, huh? Hmm, More hmm. shows.
2: <laughs> um,
3: and he's like, well, if you want to go, you know, I could probably, I've got family. I know some friends. I might be able to get you somewhere to stay. And, and all of a sudden, I would bought a ticket to go to Perth as well. <laughs> um, and I'd never been to Perth in my life, but I ended up moving to Perth because of this whole Michael thing, making some friends there. And I ended up meeting my wife in Perth. And we're just about to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. So Michael has shaped and changed my life in many ways. I've been very blessed. But I would never have gone to Perth. I didn't have any reason, didn't know anything about Perth if it wasn't for Michael Jackson doing a show and my friend saying, hey, do you want to go? (laughs) So, the next minute, we're on a plane to Perth and this is probably where the stories get interesting as well. Somehow, um, because Q, you were there for the arrival, right? When he actually arrived. Yeah, Yeah, the hotel
1: Perth arrival was awesome.
3: Which I've seen the videos and it looked amazing. I think that was probably a better arrival than the Sydney one in the sense that it was kind of like easier access and maybe it went for longer and just seemed really bit Yeah, but maybe a
1: bit further away. I think Sydney was a bit more close quarters perhaps. Uh,
3: Okay. Maybe. Um, Well, we were autograph and handshake close, so I'm not sure how it was for that. But... um, but I missed that because we hadn't even gotten a flight yet, like so we oh. were flying in on the day or the night actually of the first concert. Now he was staying at the, the, what was then the Radisson Hotel down on Scarborough Beach, so it was far away from the city, it was like right on the beach. So um, windy. Oh yeah, the Windy City. So we were arriving off the airport and uh, my friend had relatives and they came and picked us up and drove us straight to the hotel. Oh. Now, the reason for that, this is just miracle coincidence or black magic, don't know. But basically, his relatives were staying in the hotel that night for one night. They had a hotel room in that hotel, (laughs) which was amazing because of some conference or some work thing, I don't know. And they said, well, everyone was locked out of the hotel, like all the fans are at the front, you can't get anywhere near the hotel, you're not allowed to go in. But we had access to go into the hotel, and could come and go up and down in the elevator and be in this inside. So it was much. It was like crazy, crazy pandemonium outside with all the fans, and inside was a lot more reserved. There was still a lot of people excited to see Michael Jackson coming and going, but he was about to leave for the first concert, and uh, we were like able to get full access to this area, uh, and a, and a few other things that happened behind the scenes. Um, I'll try and make this brief, but we knew somebody who uh, was kind of friends with Michael and somebody who's, who's, uh, whose kids were some friends, or they uh, so basically there were some friends that, that Michael got to know this family and they looked after them and then I think the daughter ended up working for Michael or something. So we kind of knew them and they were from our hometown and they said, oh look, we're going to try and see if we can arrange a meeting with you and Michael, which they'd been trying to do for a while, even way before the history tour, they said, look, if you want to film your tribute show, we can get the tape to Michael, and you never know. He might even invite you over to Neverland or something like that, or if he likes it or something, and we were just going, wow. And we were trying to get that together for the longest time. But then the history tour was announced, so you know, this came first, I guess. So we were trying to see if this meeting was going to happen, but it was very. Oh, we might sort of mention it to him, or we'll let him know you're there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, then we were kind of dealing with a lot of his people, who saw us and we were dressed up, and we're in the. I had the smooth criminal kind of suit thing on, and my friend had the Billy Jean kind of outfit, and um, and we were talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, we'll see if we can get Michael." And all this was kind of, you know, is it going to happen this way or is it going to happen that way? What's going to happen? Um, we were hearing that. We didn't have cell phones or mobile phones in those days so it wasn't like I could just – we were at a hotel in the middle of Perth. We couldn't call our friends and say, hey, have you talked to so-and-so? What's going on? How's this all working? So, we just were just seeing what was going to happen and uh, then they sent a video crew down and said, look, I don't think it's going to happen but Michael's apparently asked if you can dance for him on videos. We're going to take you over here in this area and we're going to get you to perform and we're going to take it up so he can watch it or something. And maybe he might come down later. And we're like, what's, uh, what's going to happen? Is this really happening? For a while, we thought he was going to ask us to come up to his hotel room, which is like, that'd be cool to come and hang out with Michael. Um, that never happened either. Uh, and I think we did the video, but then they said, look, oh, he's going to come down and um, he knows you're here. So, y- you know, just wait for him. Like if if don't, you know, don't approach him or don't kind of, you know, rush up or anything. Just Take it easy, and I'm like, and we're like, uh huh. Of course, we can do that. <laughs> it's Michael Jackson. We can take it easy. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a long wait, and it was kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, we were basically in this inner sort of circle of people in this lobby. There wasn't that many people in there. Crazy fans, crazy not crazy fans, but craziness of fans outside. Maybe there were some crazy fans. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we were just waiting and waiting, and then eventually the elevator opened. Out walks Michael Jackson. It's like, oh wow. My. And it was just it was just amazing. Like, even though I'd seen him and had all these great experiences, it was like, it just it just doesn't matter. It just like it's like seeing him for the first time all over again. It's just like it's Michael Jackson. This is incredible. And he walked out of the lobby towards the exit, and we're like, Oh, he's just gonna walk straight out. Turned around, saw us, pointed to us, said, Come over here. Whoa, okay. it's like is this happening and he called us over we came over and he's like you know how you doing whatever he's like oh you know can you uh i hear you can dance for me or would you would you would you dance for us or something dance for me something like that and i had um uh to which i was like no no of course not um i had a 12 inch no i had a seven inch single of man in the mirror that I picked out thinking, you know, I've already got an autograph, but if I get another one, I'd probably like to get this. This one of my favorite songs. As I said, it was that song that I heard in Moonwalker that made me a fan. So I was like, if I can get him to sign this, it'd be great. Uh, and he said, oh, I'll hold that for you. So he, t- he took this off me and held it, in, <laughs> held it for me. And then it's like, okay. And then I just thought, oh, cool, this is a once in a lifetime moment. So he'd asked us basically to dance for him. So I just, launched into some moves and by this point I was getting really used to doing this because everywhere I went, the news or, you know, the hotel, there was a lot of people going dance, dance, dance and um, not to side note here but I just remembered when we were at the Sydney concert when we first went in the arena. There was a bit of a cheer because we walked in and we were wearing these outfits and we were on the grass there and we just started dancing and the crowd went nuts. It's like all of a sudden, everyone's turning. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? There's these two idiots dancing around in Michael Jackson costumes (laughs) and it was the loudest roar of cheering I'd ever heard that had anything to do with me. Uh, It was amazing. It was just like, wow. So... That was a pretty cool experience, but I was getting really used to this busting out the moves on cue like a dancing monkey, you know? (laughs) It's like, dance, (laughs) monkey, dance. So, I just, you know, let it go and and just busted out some moves. And I think at the time, I just sort of learned the dangerous MTV type routine. And one of the things he does in that that was kind of new at the time, it just sort of Hadn't been around for long was this sort of sideways, slightly robotic moonwalk. The way he kind of slides to the side, but he's doing it in a more of a robotic way where he's kind of leaning forward and up and down like a robot. Oh, uh, I know I the think.
0: exact one you
3: mean, yeah. Yeah. And I did that and he was like, whoa, hey. And I kind of felt like he was saying, yeah, I've seen a, mon- a million people dance for me before. People are always dancing, doing my moves but i really felt in that moment he was saying oh my god you've learned that move like you can do that and wow you do it pretty well That's you know and he seemed to be very impressed by that and he kind of applauded and was like i remember hearing him just going whoa look at that you know um so you know i did a little bit of dancing for him and then um and then he was like oh that was so good and he was cheering for us and then he said cool let me sign these so and then I think he said something like, "Oh, you're wearing the the Moonwalker uh, outfit, and you're wearing the Billie Jean one to my friend there," and and we're like, "Yeah, this was so cool." And I don't know, we said whatever banter you would say in a situation like that. Probably not too cool, but we we did the best <laughs> we could to 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 be cool and not be, you know. But it was a very different vibe in that it wasn't screaming pandemonium crush. Can I please get an autograph or say hello? It was like we had our moment. You know, it was us. It was all about us, and it was like Michael Jackson. I'm interacting with Michael Jackson. This is Michael Jackson. It's not. It's Michael Jackson. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that in your head, and you like absorb it, take it in. You know, you're looking into his eyes, and I remember shaking hands with him, and and you know, just remembering the way his hand was, and you know, just everything, and the, the, even the 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 perfume or whatever he was wearing. You know, the cologne. You're like, wow. Um, and uh, I think, uh, what happened then? We basically shook hands and then he was ready to leave. Uh, and yeah, he basically left and went to the concert. And we were just, wow, we were just in awe. I think there was a, like, some kind of Korean wedding or something going on. And in the upper part, so there was all these people from a, from a wedding overlooking downwards. And somebody approached me and said, hey, we're here filming this wedding and we actually filmed you just now with (laughs) Michael Jackson. Wow. And this was also well before phone cameras and all this kind of stuff. So, there was someone else who approached us and said, oh, I took a few snapshots. Probably my biggest uh, regret, if you will, I mean, I'm so blessed, I can't really afford to have regrets, but is that... I never had the thought or had a camera or anything to say, hey, can I get a picture with you? I could have done it, you know? Like there was the opportunity to get a picture with Michael Jackson. I have pictures of me and Michael Jackson in that moment, kind of half-talking or he's signing or whatever, but I could have done a nice, you know, posing with Michael Jackson photograph, but I just didn't think of it. There wasn't that many cameras around, and it was just lucky that someone happened to take some shots and said, hey, I've got a few pictures you can have, i go and get them developed for you. <laughs> it's, yeah, I guess it's, yeah.
0: A, it's a bit different now in, you know, 2016 where everybody's got a camera in their pocket on their phone, yeah. you know.
3: Yeah, totally. So I was very lucky to get any, like, uh, memory uh, captured yeah. of it. And uh, it was it was amazing. And I watched the video back sometimes and I'm just, the moment where I'm shaking hands with them going, I'm shaking hands with Michael Jackson. Wow. Uh, the moment when I'm dancing, I'm, and, and and actually fortunately for me I will admit when I first saw the video I was not happy about this they were filming me dancing then they panned off me to Michael <laughs> and I was like oh and you don't actually see me do that move I was talking about I was like oh I really want ah oh. but then the blessing in that is that I'm look I get to see Michael pointing at me and going whoa and how he reacted to it so That's probably way, way more valuable. But uh, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And then he left to go to the hotel, uh, to go to the concert. And I think we then went, we all jumped in a car, went to the concert. We didn't have tickets to that show, but we just sort of hung around outside and listened and met some fans and then decided to come back to the hotel in time for him to arrive. And uh, when he did arrive, that was almost more special than the time before he left because he knew who we were and he basically invited us to just come and hang out with him as he wandered around the lobby meeting people and saying hello and you know meeting children and kissing babies or whatever you do and it was great it was like wow we're in the inside loop here we're in the inner circle all these people are kept back around and he's wandering around with heavy security you know being t- you know making sure he can just go where he wants and talk to people and meet people or whatever and we're just hanging with him and just walking around with him and it was like great and i remember watching and just looking i thought okay i really need to take this in and see him i remember looking at his shoes and his boots and exactly the stripe on the side of his jeans that he had and just trying to really absorb everything to f- to sort of remember that i did see michael jackson in person and was blessed to have witnessed being in his presence. And I thought, i really got to take it in. And I had all this time to do it. So that was really special. And unfortunately, that was the moment where this wedding photographer, film crew said, oh, yeah, our battery died. Uh, (laughs) And when I got the video, there was like 27 minutes of, after the, the first time before he came back 27 minutes of just random roaming around the thing waiting for him to come back and i'm going oh this is going to be great this is going to be great and then they wasted all this ca- and then the battery died right when he arrived and there was like a few snippets but barely anything of me at all i was like oh that's a shame but uh that was pretty funny as well i guess but uh that was just yeah pretty amazing and um Incredible. I feel like I feel like I'm just talking your ear off here and just going fine. on That's... and on and on. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> l- let me just wrap that up because that was not quite the last time I saw him. It was um, the next day, I think. He was about to leave or something. I can't remember. I think it was the day he left, but we we he was out on the balcony basically. And we're at the below the hotel and he was throwing water balloons down at us and messages and all that stuff you always hear about. I think I still have a water balloon somewhere. Um, and um, yeah, it was great because I, like I said, I'm really big on just getting all these experiences you've only seen on video or heard about or read about. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I got the concert experience. I got this kind of experience. I got him presenting or getting an award or talking to people. I got him at this movie premiere in this pandemonium. I got him coming and going from hotels. I got to perform for him. And now I'm getting the water balloon balcony thing, which is, just gives you a, a kick, a little bit of a buzz when you're like, oh, I've just, I've heard this. I've seen this. And, and I think the last time I saw him was when he left the hotel to go to the airport. And, uh, and and that was that. So that's that's the overview of, uh, of what it was like when he um, toured Australia and I got to experience some of these things. And um, I hope that was interesting. I think
1: this is a, a good opportunity for us to catch our breath. And we're going to play a little special presentation ad that you'll be hearing in future episodes as well. As for Jackson Magazine, they're actually celebrating their 10th anniversary at, the, at this year in February, actually, so this month. So Jackson Source Magazine was launched in February 2006 by Janneke, and she used to be a crew member of the official, official Dutch Jackson fan club. Which had been around since 1998, and they started after that. Finished. They started to build a network and manage different sites to to keep fans in the loop. But then they came up with this magazine. So, congratulations to Jackson's Magazine over at Jackson-Source.com. They're also on Facebook as Jackson Source and Twitter as Jackson Source and Instagram and YouTube. We'll have all of the links in our show notes, but. Congratulations on 10 years, Jackson Magazine, and uh, this current issue, I believe it's got Janet on the cover, does it not, German? It does, yeah. Yeah, and it's been passed to the Jackson family members as well, but here's a little presentation, and congratulations to Jackson Magazine.
2: Delighted to have with us one of America's youngest institutions. Five of our very favorite people, who in fact are doing us the honor of letting us celebrate with them their tenth anniversary in show business. A great welcome, gang, for the Jacksons. So if you remember these songs, I never can say goodbye. Don't make the chain never can't even say goodbye. Even though the pain and heartaches Seem to follow me wherever I go Though so I try and strike to hurt my feelings They always seem to the show Then you try to say you're leaving me I'm
5: This is Janneke, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. If you're after a leading magazine on all things Michael Jackson and the Jackson family, check out Jackson Source. Jackson Source publishes Jackson Magazine annually, and it offers a full retrospect of the previous year, covering all the news, highlights, and events of the first and next generation of Jacksons in the form of articles, interviews, photos, categories, and exclusive contributions from Jackson family members. The 2015 edition of Jackson Magazine is now available and features articles about The Message in Michael's music, the legacy of the Jackson 5, exclusive interviews with Tito, Jermaine, Tosh, Terrell, and TJ, as well as exclusive pictures of Tito, Jermaine, Jafar, and your majesty, and loads more. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at JacksonSource. Thank
4: you.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Hey, this is Taj Jackson at 3T, and you're listening to the MJ Cast.
0: Well, wow, they're just some incredible stories we've heard from Paul Black. Amazing, amazing things. Thank you very much, Paul, for being able to share those with the MJ cast and our listeners as well. I hope they're
1: enjoying them. I reckon there'd be a few people that would have tagged along on different history tour or dangerous yeah. tour things similar and be able to relate to that. I guess next story you're going to tell us. Well, first of all, you, you were, you've had some other experiences all over the world, haven't
3: you? Yeah. Um, the stuff we just talked about was my experiences with Michael Jackson, um, you know, actually getting to be within his presence in some way, concerts and otherwise. That was the last time I saw him in person. But I've had a lot of related uh, experiences to do with Michael Jackson since since. Well, that would have been and, uh, sorry, 1996. I did spend four years in Los Angeles, which I was over there doing dealing with my sort of film career and stuff like that. And that opened up a whole range of opportunities for Michael. Like, as soon as I got there, I was like, okay, I'm in Los Angeles. So I went and saw the Encino home and things like that. And the Thriller movie theater went to, you know, the, the location where they shot the, the, the Thriller zombie dance, you know, the iconic thing, and, and I have to admit had a little bit of a dance doing the thriller routine in the middle of that street, got a lot of people down there in East LA tooting their horns as they went past. Um, And uh, so it was like, wow, this is, this, this is where Michael Jackson lived and everything you ever heard about in the Jacksons. So obviously uh, being that I was there from 2008 through to 2012, um, I was in LA when Michael Jackson passed away. So there was something in me that just felt as a fan that, Like, that was just meant to be in some way. Like, I was just there. I'd never been to LA. I'd never had a chance to sort of experience anything to do with Michael Jackson in Los Angeles. I'd never been to the US before. So, I was there. um, And uh, we're going to talk about this maybe another time and in future episodes probably. But, yes, I was very fortunate to be uh, one of the people who attended his memorial service at the Staples Center. So, I was right inside. um, And I remember that was an amazing but emotional experience that uh we'll probably get a chance to talk about that uh in the future in an upcoming episode i hope but yeah so a lot of amazing experiences in la with just the resurgence of positive energy towards michael and all of these people associated with michael you know being around at various events and you know i was very lucky to talk to frank de leo who's sadly passed away and my main question to him was, are they ever going to release the bad tour from Wembley on, on DVD or something? And he's like, yeah, we're hoping to do that next, next year. Didn't happen, but eventually it kind of sort of came out. Um, so uh, yeah, an amazing experience there and was very fortunate to meet a lot of the Jackson family. And, you know, they had a, a, a memorial a year later. And, you know, I remember Janet and the brothers were there and got to meet them there. And, um, And then Janet did a show actually and I was very lucky to attend her concert because she performed Scream in tribute to Michael in that show which I'd never seen her perform in any other shows I'd seen her do and that was actually great for me because I was in this little VIP section with Catherine Jackson and some of the brothers and Chris Tucker and whoever else was there. So I had another whole chapter of amazing experiences in LA and maybe another time we can go into that. But I did have two two stories that I thought would be great to share if people are not completely sick of hearing hearing me talk about uh, some of my experiences. But uh, these are two things that maybe not many people would relate to because a lot of these stories, I I think fans love hearing stuff they relate to. It's like, wow, I remember waiting at a hotel or seeing a concert or I was lucky to do that too. This quite quite interesting stories, I think, like, uh, rare, rare experiences and uh, they relate to Michael but don't directly involve Michael. Uh, the first one was, they had uh, a premiere of a musical in Australia, uh, actually in Melbourne, and it was a musical called Sisterella, which a guy called Larry Hart had, had created and Michael Jackson was the executive producer of this musical. Okay. Uh, and there's a big giant photo of him in the program at the front, and, you know, it's presented by Michael Jackson. And they were presenting this in Australia by Michael Jackson. And as part of the fan community and fan club, Michael was going to attend this premiere and present it in some way. So, of course, it was about a year or two after the history tour, you know, I'm back on a plane traveling to melbourne like all the fans meeting up michael's coming back we're gonna get a chance to see michael we had um an actual signed uh what was actually a fax uh from michael jackson saying looking forward to presenting and seeing you in melbourne for this so we're like he's really coming this is amazing So, there was a whole group of fans in Melbourne that had met on the history tour and all communing. And uh, we're all in this hotel hanging out together waiting for this event uh, to take place. And then we got a call from some publicist or media person or public relations event coordinator. I'm not sure who it was. They said, okay, well, we believe in your um, fan little club thing you've got going there we believe that there's a Michael Jackson impersonator is this the case and I guess they were referring to me because I was doing the tribute shows and whatever and um since then I uh, the history tour and meeting him I'd actually you know gotten more costumes and I actually started getting these costumes that we've spoke about earlier, like more of his public appearance type jackets and things. And I had a silk mask that he was wearing in public appearances. And I had the whole look going, did the makeup and the eyes and, you know, did my best to replicate. I had the hair, the whole bit. And they said, look, um, Michael's coming and we're trying to sneak him in the back entrance to this because we don't really want to take him through the front. He wants to sneak in through the back. So what we'd like to do is actually have you double for Michael Jackson for the press arrival at the front so we can sneak him in the back. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) No pressure. So it was like, uh, and we were a bit like, hang on, we're fans. What is this about? Is this for real? Is this a good idea? Is this just... Is uh, what are they doing here? We didn't really know what to think, but we didn't have much time to think about it. And we sort of thought, well, it could be fun. And they said, look, we'll arrange this. We'll arrange a car for you. We'll arrange this VIP thing. We'll drop you off right at the red carpet. There'll be media there. It's going to be great. And I was like, all right, well, I'm up for it if everyone thinks it's a good idea. But I felt a bit weird about it. But I was like, I don't know. And the only reason I could pull it off was because I had the silk mask that he was wearing, the black silk mask. And with the hat and the hair and the eye makeup and the exact kind of costume or, or outfit that he would wore in public, um, not, uh, not an outfit. It's not like you show up wearing the jam outfit or something from Dangerous Tour with a gold suit or whatever. It's like, no, no, it was actually public appearance attire. So I could pull it off reasonably well. So... It was just an amazing experience because what happened was we got all ready and dressed up and had the whole thing. We had people, we had minders, we had, you know, I guess fake entourage and they supplied this car and we arrived in this limo type thing and as it pulled up, there's this red carpet into the theatre and there's all of these fans and media roped off all like, you know, ready to see Michael Jackson arrive. Lots of fans, lots of media. I'll never I'll never forget this moment and it gave me a very tiny the tiniest tiniest of glimpses into what it must be like to be a celebrity or to even be Michael Jackson because when that car pulled up had tinted windows but when I looked out the window it's like everyone just surged forward in readiness like they're ready to aim and fire like with cameras and you know video and everything and and fans and I was just I remember this so clearly I just had this moment of wow like this is so surreal and bizarre that this is about to happen and it was a bit scary actually and I just thought okay they're all like approaching they're all ready (laughs) it's like they're ready to attack and lynch you or something so they opened the door I stepped out and everyone started going, oh, wow, it's Michael Jackson cheering and all this kind of stuff. And the flash, 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 click, 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 all the media starts snapping. And it was, it was crazy. And they kind of trying to usher me right through and in. And I guess at that moment, people assumed it was Michael Jackson because it was so quick and it was so, you know. But the one moment that almost broke my heart was that there was a fan who approached me as I was sort of going past she was sort of on the barrier and she had drawn this beautiful drawing uh, of Michael and a design or something and she was putting it forward oh Michael Michael please like she wanted me to sign it and she had a pen now as a fan I've grown up mimicking Michael Jackson's signature so I could do it but there was no way I was going to actually pretend to be Michael Jackson and sign this beautiful artwork so I just kind of like eased away and sort of almost apologized as they whisked me off. But I just felt so bad actually. I was like, wow, this poor girl. Like, like I felt that's the moment where I thought this is kind of wrong. Um, it was a little bit like, wow, this is beautiful. But like, I hope she, I hope that the end, she was grateful that I didn't ruin her drawing when she found out it wasn't Michael (laughs) Jackson. But, um, it was it was crazy, and they and they whisked me in, and all these paparazzi and flash, flash camera photographers, and they're like whisking me in. Uh, it was hilarious. We all got inside and got taken into a room, and we all just burst into laughter. It was just like, wow, did that just really happen? That was insane. And then it was all over the news that night. We got back to the hotel later and it was on the news and they're like, you know, eager fans waited for Michael Jackson and initially, uh, you know, as the curtain was about to go up, the elusive figure of Michael Jackson arrived and everyone's, all this footage of me looking like Michael with the mask, the whole thing being ushered in with all people taking pictures. And then they said something like, but, you know, eventually we were reliably informed. The VIP guest was just a double. And it, it was hilarious. It was all over the news and at the after party you know Molly Meldrum was there and all these people and they were interviewing me as Michael Jackson it was it was nuts but it was it was a bit of a crazy story but the tragedy of it all if that wasn't tragic enough Michael Jackson was never even there and i guess he had never really we didn't know because we kept hearing right up to the last minute that Michael Jackson was going to be there. He was, we didn't know, even sitting in the theatre watching the performance, we kept looking around after the performance. We kept thinking, is he here? What's going on? All sources said he was going to be, but he, he wasn't actually there. So um, I don't know whether they were just having, you know, just trying to make some stupid publicity thing, uh, stunt or whatever. And I'm almost Without embarrassed. Without paying it. you. Yeah, well, if, I mean, it, look, it was an amazing life experience just to be put in that situation and have that moment and yeah it's a little bit I hope it doesn't offend anyone because it's a little bit like oh that's a bit weird but we didn't know what was going on we thought we were kind of in some way doing a favor to what Michael's people had asked or what he wanted and we didn't really know until it was way too late that he was never even there and it just it's just interesting gives you a glimpse inside you know this the whole circus that surrounds anything to do with Michael Jackson and even the most bizarre situations like this is just a crazy kind of story but um was sisterella good yeah i really we really enjoyed it we thought it was great and it was a great performance and
0: he was creatively involved in that wasn't he it's
3: yeah, I mean, he's the executive producer. I'm not sure. I I don't know how much actual creative involvement, but I believe he was somehow involved in championing, championing it. Definitely. So, and his picture is like I've still got the program. It's like he's the opening page. Like uh, when you open the program, it's like a giant picture of him um, from history. The song on the history tour in that sort of white sequin, uh, glittery jacket, uh, and his, and it's his signature there. Something you know. Love Michael or something like that. <laughs> for
1: those that don't know, what is like the basic story of Cinderella? Uh,
3: so I guess it's kind of the equivalent to like The Wiz where they took The Wizard of Oz and sort of did, I guess what you'd say, a black version of it. So I guess it was that kind of thing, like more of an R&B kind of uh, representation of Cinderella cool. uh, with, with original songs. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite cool at the time. I have a soundtrack kicking around somewhere. So, have we got time for one more little story? I think we do.
0: (laughs) If it's the if it's the story that I'm thinking of, it's about an artist that I, another artist other than Michael Jackson that I really love. So, I'd like to hear it.
3: Cool. All right. Let's do it. So, uh, I'm I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan, obviously. Really. yeah. No Did way! You <laughs> Shock. <laughs> um, you're getting a sense of that? Um, I'm also a massive Prince fan. Um, so I've, like, you know, there are not many artists in the world and, you know, sadly Michael is no longer with us. There are not many living icons left in the world that I believe have, are just so unique and special in what they bring. And even, you know, across time in in the history of music there is not that many artists that you can say they were so special and unique in what they could do and i believe prince is one of those and i've always loved prince came to that much later than michael jackson but i just yeah fell in love with what he does as well um and as an artist and as a live performer he is phenomenal and everything he does every time is different and unique in some way and i've seen him many many times I've been very fortunate even to, when I was in L.A. To, to fly to Minneapolis and see a show at Paisley Park, which is his home, and he does these private shows there. So I've seen him there, and I've seen him you know, in many, many concert scenarios. So very, very blessed. Uh, but there was one concert scenario, which was actually in Australia, another scenario where I'd never seen Prince live before, and he wasn't coming to Perth because by then I'd moved to Perth via the whole Michael experience, went back to Perth, you know, lived there, fell in love, got married. And uh, my very supportive wife at the time was, uh, well, she's still my very supportive wife, at the time said, um, you've got to go to see him. Like, and I had to fly somewhere else, like, okay, I'll go to Brisbane because my music producer was in Brisbane. I was like, I can go there, I can work on some music for this album we're doing, and I can go and see Prince. So she was like, yep, you got to go do it. So I love her to this day for letting me do that because it seemed like we couldn't afford to do it and it wasn't a really smart, sensible idea. So anyway, ended up in Brisbane. There was a whole bunch of Prince fans there and there was a whole gathering of people trying to get, you know, every experience of what he was offering. And he had an exclusive pre-show and before the actual main concert. So it was exclusive access to fans. It was kind of like a warm-up gig. And um, I didn't even have access to that until just... Fans and the love of fans helping each other out. Somehow they said, We can get you in. And next minute I'm in, and there's Prince on stage doing this song. And I was like, This is amazing. You know, it was so great. It was the first time I'd ever seen Prince. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Okay, cool. What's he going to play? What songs is he doing? Someone starts jamming on a bass riff. Cool. Sounds a bit like uh, Billie Jean, but it's not because this is a Prince show. Why would it be Billy Jean? And then Prince, I think, thought, that sounds a bit like Billie Jean. And he starts playing, dun, 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 dun. And people sort of thought, that's almost amusing that he's having a joke with us. And we're like, he ain't going to play a Michael Jackson song. This is Prince. Like, What's going on here? And then he he got the drummer to kick in. And all of a sudden, they're jamming out to what pretty much is almost definitely Billie Jean. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm like, here I am. A huge Michael Jackson fan, seeing Prince for the first time, and he's doing a Michael Jackson song. And everyone's so like, yeah, he's, he's not going to sing a Michael Jackson song. He just wouldn't do that. That's not, nah, what is this about? And then he turns to the horn player, and he's like, oh, Greg, you want to come sing this? They were just kind of jamming on it. And he was like, no, I don't sing kind of a thing. And next minute, Prince is like, well, anyone want to sing? Any singers in the house? Before I had time to think, I'm on stage (laughs) with Prince and he's handing me his famous kind of pistol microphone that he has. I'm like, is this really happening? And I'm like, what are the chances of Prince jamming and deciding to do a Michael Jackson song, Billie Jean? And also the one place in Australia or in the world where there happens to be this kind of weird guy who not only is a Michael Jackson fan and knows all the words, has performed this song live with a band I used to have this cover band and knows, you know, the moves and does a bit of a tribute thing. It's like, how is this how are all the stars aligning here that this is just some weird, crazy moment? And he actually said, like, you know, something along the lines of, all right, well, come on and sing, but if you don't know the words, I'm going to kick you right off the stage. And everyone kind of thought it was hilarious. And then everyone was like, well, who is this guy? Is he going to do, what's, what's this going to be? Is this a joke or what's happening? Um, <laughs> and then I just kind of said, all right, this is really happening. And I just sort of launched into my best attempt to despite being jet-lagged and just thrown into this situation, try and sing Billie Jean as best I could manage. And I just started busting out into Billie Jean, a little bit of the moves and the dance, and everyone just kind of thought it was great and cheering and all this. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm singing Billie Jean, and there's Prince, and he's playing along and kind of jamming and smiling. And then (laughs) started busting out a few of the moves, and everyone's thinking, this is great, and it was amazing. It was just like... So very surreal, but one of those moments that you just thought, who, I just thought, who else on the planet could be thrust into this situation? You know, like, if I, I don't know, what, what would have happened if I wasn't there? Whether they have got someone else up to do it? Would they have just moved on? I don't know, I'm like, so just amazed and grateful that this little crazy moment (laughs) happened in my life because I loved Prince and here I am on stage with Prince and then he was like oh that was great and you know never a dull moment in Australia and you know (laughs) he was shaking my hand and I was just it was like did that really happen Uh, and then yeah and then there's actually somebody did a little bootleg recording of that and it ended up somewhere out there in the ether and I think I saw on the internet one day a bootleg CD from Paris in France that had all these bootlegs from the Australian tour. And on there on the back, it's like it's got Billy Jean sung by Paul Black. I'm like, how did they even get my – I don't know. How, what – gee. So it was pretty crazy, but uh, it's a fun little story and it's something that I'll definitely never forget.
1: That's I think
0: one of the craziest stories. <laughs> it's, it's, it's become like a
1: fan
0: uh, – it's legend. like a legend. Like I remember when we were talking to Andy Healy um, on the last episode before we recorded in the pre-show, He was, I think we were talking about that moment. So it certainly has gone down in history.
1: It has. And we're yeah. going to play a little clip of it, yeah. aren't we, Jamin?
0: Let's hit it. That was cool. I never get tired of hearing that. (laughs) That's such, yeah,
1: like right
0: place, right time, I know,
1: black magic.
3: There you go. I mean, amazing. And what makes it even more crazy is that's a once in a lifetime thing, right? Cut to five years later, four years later, I sang on stage with Prince again in Los Angeles at a massive show in an arena because this was a smaller show and was singing a different song this time. I was like play that funky music i believe wild cherry and looking up seeing myself on these big jumbotron screens people cheering and and everyone coming up afterwards going that was staged right that wasn't a real thing like you were that was a plant right and i'm like no this happens and I, and I tell people actually it's happened twice before and they're like what no way <laughs> but that was brilliant because yeah i've seen prince quite a few times because Anytime time I get the chance, I'll do it. So I saw him a lot of different times, and we've been very, very blessed because literally only this week, the purple one graced us again in Australia and Q. Yes. First time ever
1: seeing Prince. Yeah. Seeing like Prince. okay, I'm gonna How I'm gonna it? come straight out and say I'm not like a Prince fan like you or like Charles, um, who was on last week's show, but I. Definitely. We've got some, uh, like, probably some best of Prince albums um, and definitely respect him so greatly as an artist, a lot from your education, like, check this out, watch this cue, <laughs> listen to this cue, listen yeah. to him doing this on the guitar <laughs> here cue, so yeah. stuff like that. So when, and, and really, it's this this day and age or, you know, this era, was, it was Michael Jackson, Prince and Madonna, they were like the holy trinity of pop and of music, really. That all we born live in
3: nineteen fifty-eight, by the way. All
1: born in nineteen fifty-eight, which is just so cool. And that we actually are alive in their time still blows my mind. Like we are so lucky. So when Prince announced he was coming to Australia, it was very spur of the moment, like what, two weeks before or something, Paul?
3: No, it was like a week. He he announced, oh, I'm going to come to Australia. Tickets going to go on sale tomorrow. And then he was there within a week. Okay. so the and, and then
1: for Perth, it was pretty similar, which I think was like almost about a couple of days after he announced the East Coast and Auckland in New Zealand. Then he announced a Perth show, which I would never, ever have sort of imagined ever because he'd never been to Perth to perform. Yeah. So I... When which is me why and I you, flew to Brisbane because he wasn't which, coming to Perth. <laughs> so you were actually saying, oh, hey, Q, do you want to come to Sydney? I've got this ticket if you want to yeah. buy that, come to Sydney. And actually as we were texting, I could see on social media something was happening with Perth. And then I was like, Paul, he's just announced he's coming to Perth. What the hell? <laughs> Tickets go on sale Saturday, which was uh, the, the date day. that we recorded our last show. Yeah. Um so that was crazy. So I was like, well, listen, I'll try and get a ticket for Perth. And if not, then I'll see if the budget allows me to fly over to Sydney and, and I'll see it with you. As it turned out, I got tickets for Perth. I actually got pretty decent seats, like um, not on the floor, but because it was in the round, um, the, so the stage was completely surrounded by, by chairs and, and by the audience at every side. We had seats on the first little inclined section. Um, And we were basically on actually the same level as Prince was on his stage. So it was the piano and microphone tour. All that was on stage was a grand piano, him and his microphone, and like four upright candelabras on each corner of the stage. And we were on like the same level as that. And, yeah, really good view halfway through the show, Um, because for the first half he was facing away from us, which is, I I was like, that's fine. I can actually see his whole body playing the piano and performing. But then halfway through, when he left the stage briefly, the piano turned around by itself and then he came back and then he did the second half of the concert facing us. So this was my first time ever seeing Prince. Like he opened with, what was it, Sign of the Times?
3: Uh, Probably Take Me, no, Baby I'm a Star, I believe.
1: Okay, no, in Perth it was different, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's
3: different every show, but I, I did read that the Perth show opened with either Baby, I'm a Star or... Anyway.
1: I'll have to check that That's out. That's the but... thing.
3: You never know with Prince. It's different every time. <laughs> every show, you, it's different. He keeps changing the set list, which is brilliant. End, but it's hard Perth as well. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know, unfortunately for me, I was nearly going to go to Perth on a crazy whim because I heard he was doing one of my favourite Prince songs. Thieves in the Temple, which I've never heard him do live as many times as I've seen him. He thought, apparently nah, hasn't
1: done it live much no, lately.
3: So it was a bit too crazy. But as it turns out, he did a great version of that in Perth and I missed out. But that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Q got concerned. to see it.
1: Lucky I did. <laughs> I saw Thieves in the Temple. But yeah, Prince show, like yeah. when he came out, I was like, it was a bit like that Michael feeling like, oh my God, that's yeah. Prince. Like I was yeah. there with my my good mate Aiden. And we were like, what the hell? That's Prince just there, right there, about to play a piano like like a maniac because he was so good on it. And, yeah, Yeah. it was that moment of, like, pinching yourself off and going, are we really hearing, you know, Sign of the Times or um, Raspberry Beret, Controversy, Purple Rain. Like, it was so good. And I have to say, it really had that feeling of seeing one of the greats it was like seeing beethoven it was just like seeing a true master and it was really a lot of people saying it was very spiritual it sort of was it was really a moment that changes things and it was for me being my first prince experience and probably my only prince experience that i'll ever get i was like Well, but it was yeah, truly an incredible show, and yeah, the reviews of the Perth show barely do justice.
3: I think I I think I uh, thought the same thing that that will be my only Prince experience of my life, maybe twenty one shows ago, <laughs> and I didn't think I'd need to see him when he came back to Australia because I've seen him and I've experienced so many great things. And uh, I was like, but he's coming. Is I've got to go, and I've got to go again and again. And you know, but you you are absolutely right. In my opinion, he's pretty much the only true living legend, genius of popular music of that level. You know, we talk about Michael, and we talk about Prince, and David Bowie, who just passed away recently, and uh, iconic Madonna. Yes, I mean, I don't necessarily put her in the same category of of, of genius, but like she. Credit where credit's due for her iconic career. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to actually go and see her shows when she comes here in a few weeks because well, I've that's never your seen bucket her before. list, isn't it? And that's yeah, one of the last main people that I feel like I have to see. But I would encourage anyone as Michael Jackson fans, if you ever get the opportunity to see Prince, I would definitely, definitely, hundred percent do what you can to see him because so many people and you know not to to make people feel like they missed out but not everyone got the chance to see michael jackson live and a lot of people might have had the chance to do it but didn't and now they kind of are in a situation where it's like oh i may, i really should have whether it's something silly like oh i couldn't afford it it's like i could never afford every experience i've talked about today i could not afford ever it, to the point where i'm like well that's not going to be possible and somehow I ended up there experiencing it and it was amazing and I'd forgotten all of the debt and all of the money I had to pay or save up or sell or, you know, go hungry or whatever. It doesn't matter. So because because if, if you love Michael Jackson, you'll appreciate the, the amazing genius that he was. There's no one on the planet like that and there's not many people in that category. But I believe Prince is one of the few who are left that if you have the opportunity to see, you should really... Give it, give it a chance because uh you never know you might just like it
1: or it might change your life it
3: really there you
1: go. feels like it's sort of been a turning point of like things that I've been able to witness. It was incredible like Michael Jackson was i don't know there's like every one of these great artists and then the awesome artists, they sort of do one thing they're all very different like for for Michael Jackson. You go see a Michael Jackson show, it was like love. That's what you felt at these shows. At a Prince show, I guess you feel greatness. And -hmm. then, like, at a Kylie Minogue show, like, speaking, okay, Aphrodite, her biggest and most spectacular show, it would be beauty. For Lady Gaga, it would be, I guess, maybe empowerment. Mm Mm-hmm. So all of these artists, they're all so different and like Prince is just at the top of his game and yeah, it was just him and a piano, but oh my God, it was life-changing.
3: And every artist that I can think of that is really successful now is following in their footsteps, you know, like every, like, you know, anytime you go and see Madonna, uh, Katy Perry or Lady Gaga, they're following in the footsteps of Madonna. You know, anytime you see any of these R&B artists trying to, do the big shows, they're following in the footsteps of Michael Jackson, and a lot of people, and Prince, and they all share that kind of thing, so these are the, the original greats who who basically changed the face of music, and uh, before it's too late, you really want to make sure that you get the experience while you are very blessed to be, like you said earlier, in the same lifetime as these people, um, and I'm very, very, very blessed to have lived in the same time as Michael Jackson. Uh, and I will be able to carry that with me for the rest of my life.
1: But yeah, there you go. So that was like my little prince experience this week. He actually shared one of our tweets. Did you see that, Jamin? Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he cuts and pastes. He, he doesn't didn't exactly retweet. retweet it, but no, uh, <laughs> but he copied and pasted yeah. the text of uh, the MJ cast tweet that I put out after I saw the show. So that was that was pretty cool as Still well. Cool, yeah. I got some screen captures of that.
3: Cool. Nice.
1: So, yeah, that was a damn good week, I can tell you that. Jealousy <laughs>
3: levels a million percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wow. what's, what's happened over there in uh, in Queensland? <laughs> uh,
0: look, I'm not really – I'm in Queensland, but I'm in the most central point of central Queensland you can imagine. It's so far okay. in the desert, it's not funny. But, Kangaroos had a punch-up <laughs> down right. at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yep.
4: There you go. So we're going to
1: wrap the show up with our – a little run through of our finds of the week, and then we'll have a few special thank yous. Jamin, I know your find of the week. I watched it and it was really cool. Do you want to tell us yeah, what your find of the week is?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's not something really that's worthy of speaking about for ages and ages, uh, but it's a NFL video that, um, you know, the National Football League, that's what it stands for, right? In America, put out? Yeah. I think it's football. <laughs> I think it's, it. National <laughs> <League. Foosball. laughs> I yeah. it's National Football League. Football. I don't know. It's National Football League. NFL, they put out a video. They've actually put out a video series, um, one sort of episode per major Super Bowl performance. And uh, this is the Michael Jackson episode, I guess you could call it, on YouTube, where they show lots of footage from Michael's performance and then cut it with uh, people that assisted in organizing it uh, with them talking. I guess. So, it's really really cool to watch. I can't remember how long it goes for. I think it's roughly over 10 That's minutes or something.
4: Oh, I'm Maybe. not sure, but the quality of it is oh, it's,
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's definitely the highest quality you will ever have seen Michael's Super Bowl performance in. It's, uh, I'm not going to go ahead and call it HD or anything like that, but to me it's certainly like broadcast slash DVD quality. Previously, we've only ever had the Heal the World section of Michael's performance in DVD quality because that came out on Dangerous Short Films DVD. Uh, But in this video, you actually see lots of snippets from the first half of the show uh, in, in really high quality. So definitely watch it if you get the chance. You get to see lots of people talk about Michael uh, who were involved in the show. It was It's very, very interesting and fascinating to listen to as a fan. And um, just as a side note, to mention Prince again, I've, yes. I've also watched the NFL's video that they recently released talking all about Prince's Super Bowl performance, which is mm. definitely in high definition. And uh, definitely one of the best
1: performances ever.
0: I would... It's mm. it's hands down the best Super Bowl performance ever and one of the best ever performances in history that I yeah. can think of ever seeing. And, cool. uh, yeah, just the, the detail they go into around that is also a great watch, so we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, too.
3: Prince Prince's show, Prince's show was, like, he was live you know, and he was just showing his brilliance and that's why it's considered one of the greats. When Michael did it, no one had ever really attempted to do it and a lot of the reason it was lip-synced was because they're like, well, how are we even going to get a stage out there and rig up sound in the middle of the stadium? They don't, I don't think they even have the ability to figure out how to do that to the level that they would need to because they had, I remember the behind-the-scenes doco. there's another one on that that talks about how little time they had to rush and build that stage and then come back from a commercial ready to do, <laughs> do the thing. And I just think, well, they probably didn't even have any chance. It's the same way live for television on any television show when people perform. It's very rarely live because it's just logistically too difficult. But um, the thing, Jamie and I loved about that video that you shared was all of the, uh, the behind-the-scenes chatter. Like you could actually hear what they were saying yes. in the control room. Oh not, yeah, not directly to, to Michael's ear, but you could hear them going, "All right, Michael, get ready, take off your glasses. All, <laughs> right, all right, come on. All right, do it, baby, do it." And because he was he was he was sizzling like like a crazy man. It was like I'm sizzling, sizzling, <laughs> sizzling, sizzling, sizzling. I'm going to milk this. And they're like, "Come on, Michael, do it, do it." And then he takes off the glasses. Like, all right, cue. It was hilarious. It was just cool to sort of see. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. It was great.
1: Pleasure. Yeah, I loved hearing that audio of that. That was really cool. Oh, okay. So cool. Sweet. Um, do you want me to go next and we'll wrap it up with Paul's? Sure. Sounds good. Cool. Okay. So mine is actually, I wouldn't say it's Michael Jackson related, but we are doing it because we are so grateful for this guy's help on the show. So the ad you heard earlier for Jackson Source Magazine, our opening theme song for the show, they're all done by Dan Vigilobos, who has guested on the show. He was on the episode um, when we interviewed Brad Sundberg and a few other times, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on No Kaiju. That's right. Yep. So Dan has actually put a single out on iTunes. It's got two tracks, and we're going to sample one of those tracks today. But Dan Vigilobos, thank you so much for the um, amazing work that you do for us when we need something of such high quality because we really appreciate it so much. So, yeah, and we're going to have links for Dan's um, single. The single is called Orbits, and on it is uh, two tracks. One is called Weightless, and it features uh, the vocals of AAA, and their second track is Midnight. And which track did you want to play a little portion of today, Jamin?
0: I think we might have a listen to Weightless.
2: I
1: so much again dan and guys i hope you enjoyed the little snippet of Weightless, and the link will be in the show notes for uh itunes it's available on a few platforms isn't it soundcloud i believe
0: yeah it's in a lot of different places uh you can actually go to dan visualobos's website as well to buy it directly through him and we'll have a link to that in the show notes too
1: awesome so paul cool. black you've got a find of the week for
3: us thank you Yes. Um, I'll keep it pretty low-key and simple. Um, I've said many times so far, I'm just a huge fan of the Bad Album. And one of my favorite things about the Bad Album was it was of an era of when they did the 12-inch mixes, they were actually based on the song. Now, I know you guys have spoken about this on the show before, and I think, Jamin, you had a find of the week on uh, some Bad Extended mixes like the Annie mix and things like that. Um, and others have spoken about it. Uh, but there are definitely all these official. Uh, mixes that have come out for most of the dance tracks on the Bad album, and I have all the original 12-inch vinyls actually, and collect them. And they've come out on various uh, import CDs, and I think uh, there's Japanese imports and various things with all those extended mixes. But uh, one of the, the ones that never actually came out was uh, for "Leave Me Alone," which is one of my favourite tracks on the Bad album. And uh, for quite a while now, I've had uh, what's called the dub mix. Of leave me alone, and I believe this is or was, and some kind of an official mix that they did, but just never got released. In that, you can hear Michael vocals that are ad libs and things that are not uh, on the original track, and also the way they've arranged the baseline and the parts. It sounds like it's an extension of the actual original track, um, and when you listen to that. The only version I've ever found of it uh, has you can actually hear that it's come from a vinyl, so it may have been like a DJ only promo or something that was done that never came out. However it came about, whether it's official or whether it's you know somehow just come into into our laps uh, it's It's an amazing, amazing version of the song, and uh, there's some crazy little ad libs in there that I think are awesome and the highlight for me there's this little section where he sings the bass line. He's kind of doing like a doo do do de, do do in this really kind of low, kind of growling voice. And it's amazing just hearing him do that little part a few times. Um, and then I thought, right, well, I've got that on a CD that I've had for a long time. Let me jump on YouTube so we can sh- share a link of it. And uh, I discovered that there is that version. And then there's a whole bunch of other versions as well which I'm not sure maybe semi-professional fan done. It's hard to really tell. Um, There is a single white glove is the tag they're using who they've put out and they've got a website. We'll put it in the show notes. This person has done or these individuals have done a whole bunch of extended remixes and they're all based on the original sound of the the tracks. They're not remixes like club dance mix pit bull style. They're actually taking the original sounds and somehow ad-libs and vocals from demos or whatever that you may have never heard. So there is a 15-minute version of this Leave Me Alone extended dance mix, which I'm still not 100% certain, maybe someone out there knows whether it's official or whether it's just something they've put together. But it's pretty awesome and it's a great way to just listen to the songs. I love the Bad Album so much. That I hear it so much, sometimes you get a little bit like familiar with it and you've heard it too many times, you have to come back to it fresh. This is a great way to just hear the songs you love, and in this case, Leave Me Alone, but it's different and it's got extended parts and it's got more. So if you've heard any of the other 12 inch mixes from Bad, I would check out Leave Me Alone, we'll put a link to it, the dub mix, and then maybe explore some of these other extended versions, and you'll probably end up in a YouTube rabbit hole where you'll find (laughs) all of these other mixes and things. And this uh, single white glove, single white glove, all credit to you. Um, Get in touch with the show if 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 you're listening. But uh, similar to what um, Remix by Nick does, I think, kind of there are people out there who just love putting stuff together and and they do some great work so i'm always uh very grateful and credit where credit's due so my find of the week is uh listen to leave me alone the dub mix and uh see where that takes you and if you get into that you might want to explore some of these others and uh, check them out
0: awesome find
3: cool
1: such a good song such a good mix nice did you want to play that as the outro music today jamin yeah let's and throw it we'll, in the we'll, outro and yeah we'll do that so stay tuned Um, we're going to wrap the show up now and we're going to close the show with a portion of that awesome find of the week from Paul black. So I'll quickly run through where people can find us in case you didn't know already, we are on iTunes. So if you have not already, please subscribe to the show because you will get this show first. You will get this show as soon as it is online and it will go automatically to your device. So subscribe on iTunes, or if you are on an Android device, you can also use a podcasting app to subscribe to us so it gets automatically downloaded to your Android device also. But we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The MJ Cast. You will find us on Tumblr, .tumblr themjcast.tumblr.com. You'll find us on YouTube, search for The MJ Cast, and I cannot wait. For your listener emails, so email us at themjcast at icloud.com. Let us know what you thought of the show. And if you enjoyed Paul Black's stories, trust me, we will have him back. There are plenty more stories. (laughs) Just a quick few thank yous. Thank you to Yannicka from Jackson Source Magazine. You and your team do an incredible job with the Jackson Source Magazine and online. Um, Emails from Sandy O'Brien and Tom Rauterman, thank you so much for emailing us from the last show we actually got a lot of feedback from the previous show our first episode of season two so thank you everyone that commented on the blog denise melissa h and val commented there so thank you so much we really appreciate appreciate that and Jamin, we have a special thank you uh for a new team member
0: yeah, we certainly do. If you follow us on social media, you would have noticed that we'd put out a mystery post a few days ago, uh, saying who is Jr. And uh, we put a blurred image of Jr. Behind that little uh, text portion, and we're proud to announce we do have uh, now an additional member to the MJ Cast team. We've expanded from just Q and myself into three people on the MJ Cast. Another Australian fella. Uh, and his name is Jacob Rathgin. Uh Jacob's worked very closely with us in the past. Uh, he's actually been on one of our episodes before and does a great job of his own on social media. Such a good job that we thought we'd bring him into our team. And Jacob's going to be taking on some responsibilities um, a little bit around social media, but mainly to do with uh, prepping our show notes and releasing our show uh, with, with great show notes that you guys can enjoy. Uh, so, yeah, very big welcome to Jacob Rathjean. Welcome to the MJ cast. We're so happy. Yeah, to it's going to be
1: a big help to cool. us. And, yeah, we love his stuff. So uh, because we had that little social media post, I want to give a quick shout out to Lynn Tyler over on Twitter and also to our regular thank you person, Carly, which is at MJ is my golden boy. Lynn and Carly actually guessed correctly who Jr. was. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Very thought. cool. Hey Q, do you <laughs> mind
0: if I if I give a little shout out to Carly as well? Because I just want to say yeah. um, to any listeners out there who really want to engage with a social media account that does a lot of updates around Michael Jackson, you've got to follow Carly. Um, what she does is really unique in the Michael Jackson fan world. On Twitter, she actually does live tweeting for really big MJ events. So, for example, um, the Off The Wall documentary, uh, she just did a Spur of the Moment um, Moonwalker live tweet the other day, and that's where she'll watch something or engage with something Michael related and at the same time just be putting out like dozens and dozens of tweets to do with whatever she's engaging with. So, her Carly live tweets our show as she well. She live tweets our show. She's actually a really, really fun account to engage with. So definitely follow Carly. What a great MJ fan.
4: Yeah,
1: so I'm gonna I'm gonna say farewell. Um, but thank you, Jacob. Welcome to the team, uh, to our web assistant JR. So if you see anything initial, Jr. That will be from Jacob. Anything initial J is from Jamin and I am of course Q. Thank you for joining me today on the MJ cast. Um, I'm gonna say Michael on and Paul, thank you for joining us as well. It's been
3: a pleasure, long time coming, worth the wait, and <laughs> can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't take over the show too much, but I'd love to come back and just uh, share my thoughts on everything else that you guys talk about because this is awesome. Yay. Thanks, Paul. I get to be part awesome. of the conversation now. I can't tell you how many times I'm listening to the show <laughs> and I'm like, I just want to say, I've got, I, I, I got something to say about that. Or I'd love to share. I, th- I have a thought and this is great. So it's so much fun. And uh, again, you guys do an amazing job. So keep it up. A lot of Thank people you. really appreciate what you do. do. So Thank well you, done.
0: Thank you, Paul. Thank you. All right, guys, have an awesome fortnight ahead. You'll hear from us uh, in our very next episode, which will be episode 26. And uh, it's going to be a special episode of historic proportion. Keep Michaeling.